0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
0: Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you are listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. on today's show, we'll be reviewing Summer Struggling Jingu and JPW Strong, answering your questions and covering all its news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping It Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving us a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our personal tea store, prosundtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSoupBucks.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping it Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off And free shipping with the code SUPLEX at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our promo code SUPLEX. Young boy, how you doing, man?
1: Oh, man. I am just so wonderful. I mean... Wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, what a weekend, you know? Just... So many incredible shows. I mean, Big Japan, New Japan, Payback. I mean, we are really living in a renaissance era for <laughs> classic wrestling. I mean, it's it's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, The Fiend and uh, Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns.
1: Yo, how about last night uh, when I was in an altered state, I brought up the fact that the ring posts were different. And everyone made fun of me. I was ahead.
0: You were, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, why don't they have the LED, like, turnbuckles up tonight? That's weird. And, like, main event comes around, oh, they're going to break the ring. <laughs> 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 because they definitely, dude, that's a funny thing. Like, they can't break that ring if they have those LED boards and stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And dude, got, got got to give major props to uh little Nate Charles Robinson for that that bump he took over the ropes.
1: I didn't even notice it. Did he take a big bump?
0: Oh my gosh, he almost broke his neck like laying himself over the rope when, as the ring broke, as the rope, uh, the whole ring broke down.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I have to check that back out. I mean, but yeah, uh you know, Vince he tried to counter program Jingo Stadium, but it did not work. <laughs>
0: He did not win this war on brand supremacy. Uh, <laughs> New Japan was was a stronger brand this weekend.
1: The Sunday Night Wars.
0: <laughs> All right, man. But yeah,
1: man, I'm uh, I'm excited. Uh, we've got a you know the first time in probably nine months where we've had it. well I know uh, February since February. First time since February that we've had like an actually truly great New Japan show top to bottom, so I mean, you know, um, oh, not great. Math what was it seven months? Yeah,
0: something like Eight that. Eight months, yeah,
1: something like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Me too,
0: man. It was a great show. So yeah, I man. Let's like not waste any more time. Let's dive into oh, it. Before
1: before we start, I would just like to welcome all of you new listeners because it's around this time of the year that we get new new listeners and. I just want you all to know that we appreciate you uh, tuning in, checking us out, sticking with us, and uh, you're listening to the Ace of Podcasts.
0: You're listening to the longest-running weekly episodic <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast.
1: Oh man, yeah, I heard it. I heard another New Japan podcast. It sounded like they're maybe like throwing some shade at us. I don't know. Oh really? Yeah, I don't know.
0: We'll, we'll talk about that off here. We'll
1: talk about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, yeah, let's talk about Summer Struggle in Jingu, out here in Jingu Stadium. And I want to open up with a question that we got from Reddit user Viking Pain. He says, I really like the Jingu Stadium aesthetics. Will a Summer struggle s show become a yearly thing now, perhaps in September after the G1 in summer heat? Uh, it was around 9 degrees and humid at that show. Also, thoughts on the crowd noise app NJWB have been experimenting with. So, on the show, we got big outside venue here in this big stadium event, uh, baseball field, got the wrestlers coming out from the dugouts, we got fireworks, we got this NJPW crowd app with the noise that they tested in Corkin and then used here in Jingu. So, young boy, what was your overall thoughts and just the look of the show and the app and all that?
1: Uh, well, as far as the look of the show, I thought it was, you know, fabulous. I thought it was stupendous. I thought it was just tremendous, you know? Um in all seriousness though I thought it looked really really good. Um it's you know we've we've able to have so many actual uh fans in attendance at these uh indoor shows you know due to the social distancing and you know limiting of you know how many bodies they get and everything of that nature so being in an outdoor arena that's open air uh, it's still you know it was still social distance it was still limited capacity but it seemed uh, and I don't know the ins and outs maybe you have the details but it seemed like there was a lot of people there I mean maybe like what was that probably a quarter capacity is what it looked like to me
0: yeah I didn't grab the, uh, the final attendance number but it was still a good amount of people there
1: there's probably something close to like I don't know between five to ten thousand something of that nature um, you know which I think that it bothered some people, but I remember, like for instance, like Showdown at Shea or like um, the WCCW Parade of Champions. When those shows were both held in open air fields and arenas, they didn't sell them out, so you could see quite a few empty, you know, spots. But they happened to be two of the largest attended shows ever in history up to that point. So they were seen as successes and having like a lively crowd. And I thought that this was a good crowd. Um, We obviously couldn't hear them because they are limiting whether the people can shout or not during these shows, which I was surprised by that. I'm not going to lie. For some reason, I kind of anticipated that them being in the open air, uh, you know, everything we know from the CDC guidelines that it might have allowed them to allow for actual fan cheering. But, um, I'm not totally opposed to what they were doing. As far as the crowd, the crowd seemed super into it. Very attentive, you know, clapping, happy to be there, everything of that nature. Uh, As far as the cheering, I mean, I don't know that I was surprised with the app. I, I didn't know that they had the capability to do it in other places. I sort of thought it was something that was only outfitted for Cork and Hall specifically. So I was actually, I messaged you, I was confused. I was like, yo, are they piping in, like, the audience sounds? Because I didn't even hear any of those, uh, you know, piped-in cheers until, like, halfway through the show, basically. And um, I was like, ah, that's really surprising that they're choosing to do it now. But I think maybe it's just the people were choosing to use the app later on in the show as they got more and more invested in the card. So um, one thing, though, is... It might make sense for them not to allow cheering yet because if you let them do it on one show, but you know you're not gonna be able to do it for your other shows going forward, it might not be the best thing. You might just, if if you're gonna go with it, you invested the money in this crowd app, you know, with the noise. And I know there are people who are against it. I don't love it myself, but I get why they're doing it. Um, it might make make more sense to just wait. Until you're allowed to have cheering at all your shows just point blank. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that can make sense. And uh, I got an attendance number here. Uh, this is based off a cage match. Uh, attendance of 4,710 at the Jingu Stadium here.
1: So, if that seats about 20,000, they were probably like a quarter capacity, basically.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, overall, I agree with you. I love the, the whole look. It was just so great to kind of mix things up, you know, get out of Cork and Hall, and get out of some of these other smaller buildings out in this big, you know, baseball stadium. I thought it was a great setup. Um, I love the use of you know the fireworks and the, the sparklers, and um, yeah, the crowd app. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of right now. Maybe there's still more tweaks that need to be done to it, but you know, I heard it during the Cork and Hall shows, and I was just kind of like. Ugh, yeah, not really digging it. And then they start, like you mentioned, yeah, for the kind of the first few matches, they weren't really using the app. And so it's just kind of, you know, the normal clapping, which we we're getting used to. And then later on, the card, they started with the phones out and started using the app and so talking that kind of weird, like piped in crowd noise.
1: It also seemed like, I mean, okay, some of the positives. We know that they don't like certain things because they're using the booze to help the wrestlers that are getting heat, you know, get, get jeered and get booze and things of that nature. So that, that is kind of beneficial. I think the most startling thing for me, it's not even the artificialness of the sound. It's the uh, abruptness as to when it kicks in and then kicks off. Like there doesn't seem to be like a, a ramping up. It doesn't come in subtly. It's either like, ha or like, boom. And then like, (laughs) it just drops. And then you're like, Oh man, what what's going on this match is weird it just makes the match feel weird
0: yeah it's yeah it's it's super weird
1: (laughs) the other thing too is like you know i'm not gonna sit here and uh spout out that myth that gets you know spread around the internet so so often like oh the polite japanese crowds they never make noise like no it's not true like go watch wrestle kingdom you know go watch naito and uh you know, Okada and tell me that that crowd wasn't one of the most raucous crowds you've ever heard. Um, that being said though, they are generally, um, respectful of the performers at certain periods. Like they pick and choose their times of when to cheer. And I think it's harder to kind of like bridge the gap from like when you would emotionally feel the need to cheer, um, you know, as a wrestling observer versus, electing to do it from a uh, from a phone app like uh, I don't think it's a perfect translation so it almost feels like the cheers are coming in at times when the fans wouldn't have normally necessarily done that or maybe they would have but because they weren't doing it prior to that it just feels like kind of out of nowhere so it doesn't have that authentic New Japan feel even though it's giving the fans a voice so I see why they're doing it but there's also I see why people don't like it also
0: yeah, and I'm sure if you if you're there, you know, first a really big show in a while, and you're there live, and you're getting you're getting caught up in the atmosphere, you're getting caught up in the matches, you might forget to pull your phone out, or you pull it out too late, or kind of thing, and so, yeah, but
1: I don't I don't know, I guess um, it's just one of those things we're gonna have to live with. I I I will say I thought that the crowds were worse when they were just clapping, so at least there's that. I don't like this thing, but when it was just the clapping that. That was a step down from what this is, and this is better than, like, say, what WWE is doing, where they're just artificially putting sound in, and there's no impetus as to why, aside from their own uh, inclination. So,
0: right. Well, let's uh, talk about this card here. So we'll start from the opening match here. So we had the Heel Master Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeating the Grandmaster Master Master Wato seven minutes and thirty one seconds.
1: You sure that you sure about that? <laughs> you sure that this man's a grandmaster?
0: <laughs> well,
1: because uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago when I started telling you, I don't know, man. I don't. I'm not feeling it so much. This man's looking a little green, a little rusty.
0: Yes, yeah, so you you were definitely a- ahead in that situation. <laughs> you know. Uh, we we had kind of well I know I I jumped on the Watto bandwagon earlier on you know he, he was out here doing tornillos and uh, spiral taps I was like all right sign me up this is, this looks great um, then you started pointing out you know a couple of weeks ago I was like ah, it's it's okay you know it's it's some tag matches it'll be fine you know when he gets in there singles it's gonna be good then this match happened and I was just like boy. This man was, uh, he missed a lot of spots. There was a lot of botches. Like, Kanemaru, like, saved him on so many spots here.
1: Yeah, they put him in there with the right guy. Um, I saw a lot of uh, hatred, you know, and kind of like, I don't know if hatred's the word, but a lot of uh, people that didn't necessarily love this match were kind of upset with the performances and some of the booking and the outcomes, too, which I think we should talk about. Uh, I was surprised. I was surprised at the quality. And I was surprised that they elected to put Yoshinabu Kanemaru over Master Wato here.
0: Yeah, that was very surprising. You know, this whole Wato debut has definitely been very interesting. You know, we had the weeks of the build-up of the Way to Grand Master videos. He cuts that, you know, promo, crowd doesn't really know how to react, gets jumped by Doki, then has a the match of Doki, Wins and you're like okay maybe you know This is kind of the path he's going to start from the bottom Of the juniors and work his way up And it's like alright he's probably going to end up Working his way through Suzuki gun Juniors He's going to beat Doki, then he's going to beat Kanemaru <laughs> And then he's going to you know, have a big feud desperado. But no yeah it was very surprising here They had uh, Kanemaru pull out the win here And uh, pretty relatively Clean um, you know Wato's Going for his uh, spiral tap Maneuver that he calls I think it's the RRP And uh, Wato Ends up getting a quick Quick uh, inside cradle rolls them up one, two, three and gets the win.
1: Yeah. Uh, when I was watching that uh, segment, I actually had to stop the show and re- rewind it to see if I like what happened there. Like, <laughs> what did I miss? Um, yeah. There, there was a, a, a bit of sloppiness. I didn't think this is the worst opener in the world. I just, um, you know, the crowd didn't really seem to be with master Watto. Like I kind of anticipated that they might be. And, um, they definitely weren't using the app at like at all (laughs) one way or the other for the heat or for the shine. Um, and there were quite a few botches from master Watto, some more noticeable than others. Uh, I thought they kept the match at the right length, seven minutes and 31 seconds, but this is master Watto's only second singles match in the company. Um, since his return from excursion and, on a big show like this, he gets beat clean by Kanemaru. Now, I know it was a surprise roll-up, but those count, ladies and gentlemen. So,
0: a win's uh, a win. What's that? I said a win's a win.
1: Yeah, a win's a win. And uh, Kanemaru didn't hit him with no whiskey bottle. He didn't give him a, S- a Satori special. He didn't hit him with the – what's his finisher? The Deep Six?
0: Deep Impact.
1: Deep Impact. Uh, what is that? Star Trek Deep Six or Something like that. I don't know.
0: Deep Six. That's uh Corbin's.
1: Uh, oh yeah, yeah, spinning, that guy. spinning
0: power bomb thing.
1: I don't know. It's it's the same shit. <laughs> um, Kanemaru and Corbin are the same guy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: gonna get some heat from some uh, diehard puros.
1: No, I'm just joking. Um, no, I I really like Kanemaru. In fact, I thought he looked really good in this match.
0: Yeah, I was uh, really impressed by Kanemaru in this match. I think Kanemaro I mean, is definitely one of those guys. He's he's very underrated. You know, see he doesn't go out here and put off, you know, four and a half, five star bangers all time, but he can have some really good matches and he's, you know, a wily veteran, um, kind of the grumpy old, you know, veteran of Suzuki Goon and
1: he's, yeah, he's I mean, the right guy uh, to be in there. Kanemaro Ken- was one of the greatest, you know, Noah juniors of all time and has kind of wound down as he's come over. But I I mean he still does the uh the um Jumping guillotine leg drop off, off The barricades which I love uh, But yeah he picks up a clean win here I don't know where they go with Master Watto at this point And um, I, I was definitely Very surprised I like the match Length the 7 minutes 31 seconds but um, Very very surprised here I would have imagined You know that Watto beat Kanemaru clean And I don't know maybe they're going to continue The feud after this I'm not sure
0: Yeah well we got some news kind of what's coming up In the junior division and so That's correct We'll see some more Watto and uh, Kanemaru and Suzuki in action later on. In this, uh, we month. also
1: have some news regarding what Viking Pain mentioned when he asked about Jingu Stadium, uh, whether you know there will be a yearly show like that or not. and We'll talk about that more in the news later.
0: Yeah. And we did have uh, two questions here. So first from Reddit user side underscore B, what do you think of the Master Watto character so far? Personally, I feel the gimmick is a bit cartoonish. It hasn't resonated with me. I do like the fact that it appears to be a slow rise up junior ranks with the loss at Jingu.
1: You know, I kind of – it's just one of those things where it's like um, part of me feels like, A, um, this might have been more of like a cultural gimmick. Uh, I don't want to get myself in hot water, but what I mean is like this might have been a gimmick that resonates more – with the japanese domestic audience than us abroad so i kind of gave it that sort of like benefit of the doubt i also kind of am just like you know what at the end of the day it's still ghetto ghetto's booking and this is kind of before he did all the bullshit this year that i haven't agreed with (laughs) (laughs) and uh i just kind of was like you know we'll see where it goes from there i always liked harai kawato a lot uh before he went on excursion um Wasn't impressed with a lot of the stuff that I heard and saw from his CMLL run, but I kind of just gave it the benefit of the doubt. But since he's come back, it's really been a mixed bag. I mean, I don't really have any sort of investment to the character one way or the other at all. It's more so the in-ring, and the in-ring is, I don't know, it's unbalanced. There are times where he shows – real great athleticism and and technical prowess and then other times where like it seems like he's still learning how to wrestle and he's been doing this for since before this podcast started (laughs) like years and years so like i i'm kind of at a loss a little bit
0: yeah i'm also kind of at a loss too yeah um you know i thought you know the look was you know yeah cartoony kind of weird and just the way they're just kind of building him up. and But, you know, I kind of overlooked, you know, the blue hair, the blue pants, and the blue and pink. And because, you know, that, that first match of Doki, like I thought he looked really good in that match of Doki, and a lot of stuff came off crisp there. But then going forward, you, you kind of started seeing the holes in the game and, you know, just... The gamer. <laughs> um, just kind of, yeah, just kind of maybe a lack of awareness sometimes and just, you know, some spots just not hitting right and almost getting lost at some times. I
1: I think for me, what's even more baffling is the booking here. Anytime someone has gotten this kind of acclaim before they return from excursion with all these vignettes and special treatment, it always results in something big. Now, I'm not saying that that can't happen or won't happen down the road because we don't know. I don't know what the booking is long-term, but when you look at the day-to-day booking style of Gato and you see a guy that gets brought in and he's not only taking, like not only losing uh, in these multi-man matches, but taking the falls or tapping out himself uh, kind of tells, and and especially in like two-on-two tag matches where he's the designated pin eater for a guy like say Tenzan, which like it, historically does make sense because he's the junior, but Tenzan's also a dad. And he's, he's this new, you know, fresh, young, bright-eyed guy that they brought in. And you kind of think they're going to give him the Hiromu treatment or a El Phantasmo treatment based on the vignettes. And it's been far from that. And um, maybe maybe you're right. Uh, you know, maybe it is going to be a long, slow build that we can invest in. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I've been watching for a while and I've seen how they've treated – Juice on his long slow builds And <laughs> <laughs> Yoshihashi on his Low slung builds and
0: Hey Ishiye... it paid off, he got the uh, Never Six Man titles
1: Yeah and Ishii ain't never touched in that IWGP title, it's like This is more of a company That likes to do the We're gonna skyrocket you to the moon kid And, and, and that sort of thing You know, or we're gonna give you The push out of nowhere like evil Like I can't remember too many long, slow builds in recent memory that really paid off, that were like super intentional.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what Gato's planning here. Maybe uh, the next question can kind of talk about maybe where they could be going, maybe. Uh, from Dom Homie 101, it says, It's been a while. Is it me or NJPW are setting up a swerve in Master Wato joining Suzuki Goon?
1: It might just be you. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know. I, they could do that. I mean, they don't have. I mean, they've got two juniors already in, um, you know, De- Despi and uh, Kanemaru. But
0: three with Doki.
1: Oh yeah, how can I forget? <laughs> and you know, they and anytime Taka wants to return, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he's not on the roster right now. But like just this past year, those guys went to go work at Just Tap Out and. Uh, it's very clear that he's still an extended member of, of you know, the that group. Um, but at the same time, I mean, unless they really plan to go, for me, it almost feels like they're planning to turn um, Desperado heavyweight at some point. Maybe not now, but he's filling out in his frame, s- sort of similar to like how Tai Chi was. Um, and then you kind of look at the other guys. Kanemaru aging. Doki is a lot better than people gave him credit for last year, but he's never going to be a top junior. Maybe they do have an open spot for like a junior ace sort of role within that group that we are not even seeing. And maybe he could fill it, but I'd rather see Red Narita do that. So,
0: (laughs) yeah, I mean, we've talked about for years, like how great, (laughs) like Narita would fit into Suzuki goon. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know, I mean, that, that could be interesting Yeah, you know, he gets kind of frustrated with, you know Being this grandmaster, trying to be a grandmaster And trying to listen to Tenzon and, and then eventually maybe just kind of snaps And just ends up going with Suzuki and joining Suzuki-Gun I mean, it could happen, crazier things have happened But I'm not sure that's the direction they're going
1: I don't know, but like It's sort of like, if you get beat if you're If you're getting your ass beat by the group And then you join them, doesn't that make you a hoe? Like... <laughs> You know, it's like, it's like uh, Big Show with, back in 1996, like Hogan clanked him in the head with the belt, took his title, and then they beat his ass every week and like spray painted him, put yellow down his back, and then one week he's just with them. And they're <laughs> like, swerve, bro. <laughs>
0: hey, you can't it's beat like, him, join them.
1: Dude, they beat your ass every week, they took your <laughs> belt, and now you're a mid Carter. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, I don't know, maybe.
0: Yeah, we'll see what this, happens.
1: This is a, it's, a, it's a weird year.
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. Dude, it, it, 2020, Evil was the IWGP champion. Anything could happen. So uh, take us to the next match up here.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, the next week, or the next match we have here, uh, we have the long-awaited, illustrious, very prestigious New Japan Pro Wrestling, King of Pro Wrestling title, Provisional... Lineal <laughs> title tournament final four-way match between El Desperado, Kazuchika Kata, Toriyano, and Sonata.
0: All right. So before we talk about this actual match, uh, you know, clearly we didn't talk about the Cork and Hall show. So just maybe just a quick some.
1: Oh, do we have to talk about those two shows?
0: No, no. Just just a quick thoughts on the KOPW matches that led to this. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. I was, dude, <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of thoughts about those shows, but like so much has happened since then. I kind of forgot. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. we had. Well, uh, uh, congratulations to you and I, where we both predicted accurately the, the final four lineup of this tournament.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We we're, dude, we predicted a lot of stuff right on this show.
1: Yeah. We did. Uh, we didn't get the results of these two matches accurate, but still. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as the the four, and I'll just go real quick. I I actually really liked Desperado and Kojima overall, but at fifteen minutes for them to do the fuck finish that they ended up doing, it just kind of seemed like what's the point here? And it uh, I think in the minds of a lot of fans, just brought the match way way down, and it didn't help Desperado because he got left laying. <laughs> <laughs> Kojima looks like a badass, but still loses, and it's like why would why would I even hope to think that Desperado should win this in any respect. And also why did you waste our time making this match 15 minutes when it could easily been a six or seven minute match? I mean, if you guys were going to do what you did there, so it just seemed overbooked. Um, a lot of people liked the show. Sonata match. I did not. I thought it was boring and this is coming from someone who loves technical catches catch, you know, grapple fuck style wrestling. I love world of sport. I love that sort of style. And I didn't think that they were doing a very good job of it all. I liked their match from New Japan Cup even better than this one. Uh, Dave gave it four stars. I think that's ludicrous. I would have gone maybe three, max.
0: What, on the New Japan Cup match?
1: No, on this one.
0: I don't think his reigns aren't out yet for this.
1: I saw online, and I saw that he gave it four stars. Was that, Or maybe that's the other match from before. I don't know.
0: Yeah, because the uh, newsletter this week that came out didn't have the ratings in it so his rating. Well, you know,
1: I be I'd be messing around on Cage Match and not always paying attention. <laughs> Maybe it was the match from earlier in the year, I don't know. Yeah. Um but yeah, I didn't love that match at all. I also thought it kind of sucked because show was trying so desperately to go for his armbar and they're not letting him get his armbar over like it's good enough to beat like you know, losers, but it's not a good it's not a uh, strong enough weapon to beat a guy like Sonata, so that's cool, whatever. So Sonata <laughs> moves on. Um Toriano uh, I actually thought that the Torriano bushi match was probably the most enjoyable of all the matches for me just because it was short. It was exactly what I expected. It was funny. Um, it didn't overstay its welcome. It was just a comedy match, and Torriano uses his wiles to get past a crafty Bushi, which was fine. And then Okada against um, Yujiro and Gato and Jado. I would say it's the worst match of the year. Uh, but it's not. It's the second worst match of the year because Okada and Gato already did that earlier <laughs> yeah. during the New Japan Cup, so this is the second worst match of the year, and it, they both involve Okada, and they both involve Gato, so I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, and my thoughts real quick, um, I did enjoy the Desperado Kojima match. Um, I didn't like...
1: You'd, th- you'd, you did or did not?
0: I did for the most part. I didn't like the fact that it went that long with that finish, but I actually did kind of like the finish in the fact that Desperado kind of baited Kojima into using the lariat to kind of get the win and in a way kind of, you know, being a dastardly heel kind of outsmarting Kojima. But to your point, Desperado didn't come off looking strong based off of that. Um, moving on to uh, Yano and Bushi, like you said, short match, kind of like what we were expecting, some comedy, um, he had some quick near falls and it didn't extend its welcome. Yano gets the win there. Um, Sonata and Sho, um, also, I was not really a big fan of that match as well. Um, it was just it, just, it just felt really slow. I think the lack of cr- uh, crowd, like energy and noise into it definitely didn't help at all. So it was just kind of this quiet, slow, boring, grappling match. These dudes trying to work holes and. Yeah, I wasn't ultimately a big fan of that And then you mentioned Okada against Jato, Gato And Yujiro, second worst match of the year I never Want to see Okada In the ring with Yujiro Gato and Jato ever again Uh, But knowing our luck It probably will be happening On these New Japan Road shows Coming up, but Yeah, clearly it was obviously it was obvious (laughs) that Okada was going to get the win regardless of the stipulation and move on. So
1: so uh, one thing I could be wrong here, but I'm looking at cage match and uh, I don't know. Maybe they don't verify these Wrestling Observer newsletter ratings, but for some reason they've got four stars on Sonata show for Dave's rating there. I don't know if he said it on maybe the air or something. Gotcha. Yeah, I knew I know I'm not crazy, but maybe that'll get adjusted. We'll see.
0: But yeah, so let's uh, actually talk about this uh, four-way match here. So what do you think?
1: I don't know, man. It just seemed, uh, you know, you, you hear, like, every time I think about, like, James Boyd and uh, we'll be in the group chats and, like, someone writes something stupid and he's like, man, why are y'all playing on my damn phone? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like here. I was like, man, why are y'all playing on my damn card right now? Like, <laughs> this is a waste of my time, a waste of your time. Um I don't know, man. We like it, it's whatever. It was a seven-minute match. There was was there anything notable to you? Did you find anything notable aside from the outcome?
0: Yeah, it really, it's the outcome. I mean, there was your typical Yano comedy spots taking off the turnbuckle and you know trying to work with Okada. Um, You know, Desperado was you know kind of being healed, trying to cheat. Sonata was just kind of there. Uh,
1: I don't I don't know who threw this out. Someone mentioned. Maybe KOPW was a way to like shoehorn Yano and Suzuki back into a feud with one another down the road, and like that's becoming seeming more and more plausible. So maybe if that's like what where we're heading with this, then maybe it will all be worth it. Uh, but other than that, like I don't know, man. It was seven minutes. I guess they did as good as they could given the time that was there. But uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad match. I've seen people like literally openly state they thought this was actively bad it wasn't actively bad like in a vacuum it was a fine match i guess it's just weird when you've got the ace of the company and then all these other guys like i don't know man i i don't know it's just baffling to me
0: yeah it it was just kind of there like okada mailed it in sonata mailed it in Yano was doing his shtick, Um, Desperado kind of melded into, like, these guys clearly were just there to have a match. They had a, you know, it was a fine little match, but you got those guys in there, and this being a big show, and, you know, very weird to have a guy like Okada and Sonata in the second match on a a big show like this. (laughs) You would think, especially with their history and rivalry, there would have been, like, some kind of epic exchange,
1: between Bro, that. it seems weird everything that they've done with Okada up to this point since they've returned. I mean, sure they gave him a, uh, you know, a prominent spot in the uh, New Japan Cup, but once we got past the New Japan Cup, they saddled him in this feud with the Bullet Club, namely specifically with Yujiro and Gato and Jado, Jado and Gado, Gato and Jado, uh, and it just um, seemed like a waste of time, something to kind of distract. And then now we're kind of here and like Toriano didn't even take his shirt off and he pinned Okada clean, which granted is plausible because Yano can pin anybody on any given night. You know, there is always that. But then it's sort of like, what was the point of all this? Why did we have a press conference? Why did we have a tournament? Why was there a trophy? And why is this even happening? Part of me almost feels like, They started this thing to appease Okada, realized that it was not the hottest idea, but couldn't just derail it, like, flat out. So, like, all right, what can we do to kind of maybe save it? Because maybe they realized that it wasn't such a good idea to have a bunch of, you know, actual true-to-life gimmick matches in New Japan with no build, story, reason, rhyme, anything of that nature, you know? Like, well, we could put it on Yano, He's a goofy guy. And then that kind of makes sense. And then and then we could just move Okada away from it and just get the stench off of him, you know? Maybe people will like it because it's Yano. There are people who like Yano. Yeah, we'll do that. I don't know.
0: Right, uh, I feel like maybe Yano was in backstage one day. I was like, hey, Okada, man, I, I kind of want to do some gimmick matches. Can you... uh Throw this, <laughs> throw this idea. Pitch it, pitch it to Gato. Say, say it's your idea so I can, you know, be fun and goofy and uh, get, get this new gimmick over.
1: So we have two totally de- deferring opinions. I think that this was uh, an audible that was called Last minute because they saw the error of their ways. You think that this was deep within the works, way from the outset. Like, Yano's the real mastermind all along and, like, <laughs> yep. Okada's been his pawn.
0: Yo, you saw how happy that man was. <laughs> when he, when he won that. It,
1: it, it's whatever, man. It's whatever, yeah. and you know what? That probably means in the in we're probably gonna get Yano and Okada in the G one again, and we'll get a, a match where Yano almost pins Okada a million times before Okada puts him in that shitty money clip. You know, yeah, the the money clip, and sits him on his ass and makes him tap.
0: <laughs> um, you saw, so, you know, last week, you know. I think I said, you know, Okada officially for my prediction, but I did say I could totally see Toriano winning this thing and it just be him doing a bunch of goofy gimmick matches the
1: rest of the year. You did say that, and I will uh, corroborate that and applaud you. Um, You want to know my real feelings on this a little bit? Lay it on me. There are some people who kind of are like, I've, I've seen this sentiment a lot. There's people who are like, Oh y'all thought this was gonna suck, but Yano won, and he's gonna get this shit over. Part of me is thinking like, well, if Yano's got to get it over, then that kind of tells you that it was shitty from the from the get go. <laughs> but I'm kind of glad that it happened this way because, in my opinion, unless oh god, this what? Just came to my, what if the fact that he pinned Okada means that we're getting a Yano Okada little mini feud for the KOPW title? That is a real possibility, and I didn't think of it until literally on the air just now.
0: It could be, but Okada did say he was done with KLPW for now ah, and focused you're right, on you're
1: right. G1. You're right. He said that during the press conference, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, never mind. Scratch that. The reason I'm kind of glad that Yano is because I hated the idea of this to, to begin with. I never wanted to see it happen. Now it has happened. We didn't get one actual true gimmick matches like or match. We got a bunch of, like, uh, quote-unquote gimmick matches that weren't really gimmick matches at all.
0: Just minor alterations to a regular match. D-
1: just regular matches with some alterations. And now that Yano's the guy who has it, it's not prestigious whatsoever. And it probably will be forgotten by next year. And A, we, it, to me, this kind of justifies my original opinions on the entire concept And uh, kind of is like a fuck you to all those people that were like, well, at least it's something different, something to break up the monotony of the year later on. No, fuck that. And um, this probably pretty much ensures that this thing's going away by next year. We will not be seeing this again next year. Yeah. So I'm kind of happy.
0: Dude, as soon as I saw that little trophy they brought out in Cork and Hall.
1: Bro, that little ass trophy probably – I wish we would have seen that before we recorded last week's episode because I would have never said Okada was winning it.
0: Yeah, dude, that thing, you know, we were, we are giving a hard time on the, uh, the new Japan cup USA trophy, bro. Dude, that made, it makes new Japan cup USA trophy look like, you know, one of those the big, Stanley
1: cup or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it made it look incredible. Like, yeah, that, that, that dinky ass trophy, like, holy crap. Oh uh, man, the keeping it strong style year end awards are more prestigious than that. KOPW trophy. Seriously. Uh, oh man! You know we have a lot of questions for this particular match. I don't know why, but there are so many questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, first question here from Muzza in the Discord. He says, "How did we not think the, the true ace Toriano was going to win KOPW?"
1: You're right. The funny thing is, like we're we these probably are a bunch of joke questions because Yano's a joke and this is a joke, and it's <laughs> kind of just. <laughs> You know, this whole thing is a its a farce.
0: But I I, I did think that last week. I was like, I, I could have see it. I was like, either they're going to go try and make it super serious and go with Okada, or they're going to make it super goofy and go with Viano and just have Viano just do a bunch of goofy gimmicks throughout the year.
1: I guess the whole reason I just thought that they wouldn't do that is because they involved the ace of the company in it. Like, right. why would you involve him in it in any capacity, whether it was... A, saying it was his idea, having him do a press conference, you know, every, every – like he's been intrinsically linked to this thing since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then for – I guess they were like thinking for him to add credibility to it, but it, it doesn't at all when you just turn around and put it on Yano. Like, yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, Grunty Dodds asked – a month ago, there was speculation that Okada was going to compete in a death match in Jingo. Turns out we got the KOPW instead. <laughs> now that it's all over, would you have rather seen Okada in an Europe, Time Bomb, Barbed Wire, Fuckery Board deathmatch? Um, if it was with the right guy.
0: Yeah, if it was the right guy, right build, right story, like we mentioned, that should be used for big gimmick matches. And sure, if you had some kind of crazy blood feud...
1: What's you want to bring in... Nah, they could just... It doesn't have to be a, a blood feud. This is an easy one. You bring in Jun Kasai, and he's the invader. And it's his style match. Boom. That's exactly what they did with uh, Onita back in the day, and it, they printed money with this shit.
0: Yeah. Before we go to the next question, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier in one of the group chats. I was like, COVID Okada is, is pretty much like Balloon Okada. Pretty much is like... Yep. Loses a belt, loses his mind, doesn't wrestle as good, kind of mails it in until, like, G1's coming. And we're going to the exact same thing here.
1: Yeah, I it's and when you mentioned that um, yesterday, I, I had the exact same sentiment. I was explaining to my girlfriend, like, what Okada was like when he lost the title to Kenny the first time. And I was like, it's the same thing, except he just looks a little more composed this time But you know Jeremy we all deal with loss Differently so mm. who are we to judge Okada and the ways that He is uh handling you know <laughs> His grief so
0: yeah. So uh, next question here from Reddit user Viking pain Wh- which one would you Rather have a slammy or The KOPW trophy and Watch I don't get the KOPW
1: thing over Sorry young boy He already got it under by Being the champion <laughs> like literally It's under if he gets it over then it it's just going to be over as a joke. Unless they decide to use this as an opportunity to revamp piano entirely because that's the only way that they're going to quote unquote get this over.
0: Yeah. First of all, first part is question. I'd rather get a Slammy. Those Slammy trophies <laughs> would, were off- awesome.
1: I don't really I mean, I don't want a Slammy or a KOPW trophy, <laughs> but the Slammy does look better.
0: Yeah. Um as far as like, getting it over, like to me, honestly, like this is R-Truth with the WWE 24-7 title.
1: It, it, that is literally what it is. It's exactly like that. And, I, and um, I,
0: I love R-Truth. He's hilarious. He cracks me up. Like the, the, the 24-7 title being a joke, he's the perfect person to have it because he's goofy, he's funny, and, and it's treated as a joke. So if you want him to be a joke, Yano's the perfect person to put it on.
1: Yeah. Next question from Rambo and Slam Pig. If someone asked you to pick Okada or the field to, uh, to win the G1 with your life on the line, what would you pick? I would take Okada. I mean, so I've got to take the entire field or Okada. I'm taking the entire field.
0: Yeah, I would go with that also. I'm not... Obviously, I mean, you can never count Okada out And winning, they could easily have him win And main event the Dome again But um, I don't know, I'm just not confident That he's winning, so I I think there's a better percentage Chance of taking the field
1: I mean, at this point I don't really know who's even going to be in the G1 I think we have a pretty good idea, obviously But um, We don't really know And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is Just like, I'm an odds guy I'm a numbers guy, and I'm like You want me to pick the one out of 20 versus the other 19? Like, no, fuck that. I'm going to take the other 19. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, and if my life's on the line, I'm taking the 19 over the one.
0: Right. It'll seem like better (laughs) odds. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Next question from Reddit user PSAN91. With Yano winning KOPW 2020, does that make it the comedy belt status of the 24-7 belt in WWE? Also, if Okada not winning KOPW 2020 as many predicted, what do you think is next for him? I was thinking he wins the G1 and goes to face Naito at Russell Kingdom 15 only with the roles reversed as Okada will be the challenger, this time Naito the champion.
1: Um, that's not a terrible theory. Um, I, we already kind of mentioned it. I do think it makes this belt comedic. Now, they have the option at this point between now and the end of the year if they want to not make it comedic they can maybe have someone serious win it. But keep in mind, I mean, we've got, what, we're in September this month, and going into October is going to be the whole G1, right, basically?
0: Yeah, G1 Climax is a month. Yeah, September 19th to October 18th, 19th, something
1: like that. Okay, so maybe you get, if if you're talking about one big monthly show, hypothetically for the rest of the year, maybe one in October – November, December, you're talking about maybe tops three big matches before the title, the provisional title is awarded to the true, you know, annual champion. Um, so, I mean, how serious? What, what can they do with three matches between now and then, you know?
0: Yeah. And, you, and you know, with, you know, Yano being the, the trophy thief that he is, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like, all right, you won it for 2020, it resets for 2021. He's going to be like, nah, and just keep stealing it for himself. And then it goes away.
1: I think it'll be something that like come January like 6th, no one will remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As far as uh, the Okada thing, I don't think that's a terrible idea, especially given the current circumstances with COVID and everything. But it it really depends on who's in the G1 and who's the champion going into Tokyo Dome. But, you know, they already did three Tokyo Dome main events with Naito and Okada. I think a fourth is unlikely. I mean, Okada won the first two. Naito finally overcame him on the third one. Like, does Okada really need to get that comeuppance right now? I mean, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I guess we'll see. I do think it's an interesting story with the roles reversed. But yeah, I don't know if you want to... Unless you just want Naito to beat him in the Dome as a champion.
1: Well, let's talk about this. What matches have happened if Naito hypothetically is the champion? And he might not. He might lose it after the G1. <laughs> but let's say he's the champion going into Dome season. I mean, who has he never fought for the title before? Or just in general, who has who's he not fought uh, like in the last two years? I mean, almost everybody in the field he's pretty much fought.
0: Except uh, the only guy Tanahashi.
1: He hasn't fought Tanahashi recently. And he hasn't fought Will Ospreay. Yeah. But he's fought everybody else. So if I'm just guessing based off of New Japan history, I would say it's probably – and I'm just basing this off history. This isn't my official opinion or pick. Um, Has he fought Sonata recently? Um, Not really. I can't remember. I usually like to pick somebody to win the G1 that the champion hasn't fought recently. That's a protected match. And I, I think the Tanahashi match might actually be a good pick. I think Osprey might be a good pick.
0: Yeah. Two good options there. Those would be two good uh, main events there for the Dome.
1: I know some people are saying Shingo, and that is possible. I mean, they, they did, but they did fight in the G1 last year.
0: Yeah. I mean, as of right now, Shingo is still my way-too-early pick. To, to win the G1 Obviously I will make a an educated pick Once the blocks and participants Are revealed
1: Yeah um, Next question from Chris underscore Ertz He said according to Okada post match He is done with KOPW and is focused on the G1 Was this always just a way to freshen up Yano's usual act while giving Okada Something to keep him occupied till the G1 We either love or hate Yano And the same can be said about the whole KOPW title Um. My answer is we don't really know But if I had to guess It could It could have been that or they audibled At the last second when they realized that this Thing was kind of shit
0: Yeah I mean I think with Okada something I want to mention Part of this could be just His body is really banged up I know if if you watch that Okada Documentary they did um, Last year just kind of showing his day to day life And just like how much pain He actually is in And Yes, I had all that time off, but it could be possible that his body still kind of banged up and not wanting to go all out in these few months and waiting for the G1 to have his big matches. That's a possibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, then, I don't know. Have a faction warfare. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. Suzuki is able to do it. I don't know.
0: Or just uh, lose your smile and just wait till the G1 starts to come back.
1: Yeah, why can't they write somebody off like they write Okada <laughs> off like you guys wrote Cody off, you know, <laughs> send that man away for a little bit and then let him come back with, um, you know, with the vengeance. How often can you ever remember Okada looking weak?
0: Like in like a match or like?
1: No, outside of a match.
0: Like in a post angle attack or something?
1: Yeah, it's like I'm trying to think of it. And like, I feel like the only person that's really like gotten the better of him in the last few years is like Jay White. Yeah, maybe Suzuki with that the, Royal, the
0: Build to the Royal Quest
1: match. Maybe, yeah. Very rarely does this guy look weak. I wish someone would, like, fuck him up real bad, like kind of like what they did with Cody, and then have him go away, and then maybe he comes back with some vengeance. Gator likes to do the southern booking. Book some southern shit, man. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Uh, next question here from Dan Coffin he says what gimmick matches do you Want to see Yano compete in as KOPW and who should He defend against
1: oh god I don't care <laughs> oh, I, 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 I hate That Dan wasted his time <laughs> asking this question Because Dan's such he's a good friend of ours But uh
0: <laughs> Yeah I mean Like we mentioned this thing is total it's a total Joke now so obviously like Yano and Taguchi you can do another Yano and Bushi match. Uh, Yano-
1: no, I think it should be, like, Yano against, like, serious competitors, and he beats them.
0: And that just outsmarts them with his gimmick?
1: Yeah, guys that you, like, think should beat him, but then he just beats them.
0: So, like, he goes against, like, Kojima and beats him.
1: Someone like that, or, like, maybe Balak Fale.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I don't want to watch that match, but I'm just saying someone like that, like someone who you think should absolutely fuck up Yano and then Yano get like beats them. And then it's hilarious. Also, are Yano and Colt Cabana still tag team partners? And if so, is there a chaos and um, dark order and dark order uh, secret connection that we don't know (laughs) about?
0: You know I hadn't thought about that um, You know obviously yeah, with COVID travel restrictions Colt Cabana hasn't been able to go over to Japan So who knows maybe they are still want to be partners down the line And maybe there's still open connection And maybe there's a mask waiting for Yano uh, when Cabana comes back to Japan
1: Do you think that we'll see any of Colt Cabana's AEW matches show up on our uh, Excursion Match of the Year list this year?
0: Um, <laughs> as of right now, no. Maybe, maybe the eight man tag coming up this Saturday at All Out could maybe, depending how well that
1: ends up going. But I don't think so. Nah, he he's not eligible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, I couldn't even think of a single gimmick match that I want to see Yano compete in. Maybe something that involves tape. I don't know.
0: Yeah, uh, duct tape match.
1: I don't know, man. Oh,
0: there, know. there we go. Tape on a pole match. No, fuck. You, you, you get the tape, and then you're allowed to use it in the match as a legal
1: weapon. Maple Leaf Wrestling History Podcast says... <laughs> ML, at MLW, MLW History Pod says, Is it fair to say Okada can claim the distinction of having wrestled in one of the greatest matches in New Japan history, and now one of the worst as well? I think that his three-on-one match was even worse than his purposefully bad Wrestle Kingdom six match, and uh, yeah, I think that was really, really terrible. I here's a controversial take: Okada is not eligible to be wrestler of the year right now.
0: Dude, I, I'm glad you said that. I was thinking about that the other day when, when I was driving. I was like, this thing because you know, we, were, we started talking about some of the award stuff, and I was just thinking, like, who do I come up, You know, who's going to be in our wrestler of the year? And I, I was listening to Observer Radio, and they're talking about the great year Suzuki had. I'm like, yeah, Suzuki's a candidate. Then Bro, I'll,
1: you and I have been talking about that off-air, though.
0: Yeah, and then I was thinking, oh, man, like, Okada's not, <laughs> not, like, yeah, he had that awesome, you know, Tokyo Dome match, two, two back-to-back, you know, five-star matches, but I didn't want to cut it for the whole year.
1: Bro, he had an incredible two Tokyo Dome matches. He had a pretty, I think I liked it at the time, but, like, Overall, it's not anything memorable or... It's pretty lackluster, the match with him and tai Chi. And then after that, you go to COVID. He had what I would consider a failure of a New Japan Cup. He had the one match with Hiromu, which I think underdelivered, in my opinion. It's still a good match, but it under And he hasn't done shit since then. And uh, you can't live... Hey, you had two of the best matches of the year. Perfect. Incredible. But um it's not enough. And uh like he's not going to be anywhere near like the observer Wrestler of the Year awards, like nowhere near it. Like he's not touching when was the last time that like cause you would say like Kazushiko Kata couldn't touch like a WWE champion when it came to like a you know, year end awards, but like he's not touching Drew McIntyre. Yeah he's not touching john Moxley, like he's not touching Adam Cole, and it's fucking crazy. Um, you know, and, and, and you know what? Like, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I like, I, I feel more strongly about Okada not being in the runnings than say Naito, but I don't know if Naito is either. Like the top two guys clearly are like Shingo and Hiromu.
0: Yeah. And then after that, Suzuki,
1: Suzuki's up there. Will probably would have been, but he hasn't been around. Yeah ishii has got to be up there.
0: Definitely, yeah. Her, oh, yeah, you said her home already. Um
1: yeah. Those those like your top 4 guys. For I me, mean,
0: uh, people are going to need some stellar G1 performances to uh, raise their stock this year.
1: Yeah, you can't write anybody. Yeah, we sound so stupid. You can't write anybody off before a G1 comes around, but um not to Okay, I'm I'm so far off topic. Just to answer your question like yes, he's been in one of the worst matches of I don't know if I'd say in New Japan ever, but it was really Season two really, really, really bad matches this year So
0: Yeah, not, not looking good on the resume but, all Let's right. move on to yeah. the third
1: match of the night
0: Yeah, we spent way too much time on KOPW <laughs> <laughs> Now this is where the card really started picking up And uh, business started to pick up here With the never open weight title match We had the king Minoru Suzuki defeat the dragon Chingo Takagi 14 minutes, 50 one, 56 seconds
1: um, Really great match
0: yeah, this was an awesome match I love this match um, I definitely think, you know, you mentioned last week Good call of feeling like these guys could potentially Not, you know, throw out like a match of the year contender And save stuff down the line Potentially for a G1 match or just a few down the line And I definitely feel that was the case It was, still, it was a great match But I definitely feel like there's there was a, a whole other level That they held off on but besides that, it was still a great matchup, and this kind of a great story here of Shingo trying to have to beat um, Suzuki, and just, you know, Suzuki kind of came in as a brute in this match, and the whole kind of buildup, like, uh, Suzuki was kind of beating up Shingo and leaving Shingo laying a lot of times, and um, just kind of, you know, turning up the full sadistic and strong style um, nature of Suzuki.
1: Yeah, there. Um, this this match was it, it, it's pretty funny. I was watching this match with my girlfriend, and she was very excited for it because these are two of her favorite wrestlers on in New Japan or just in general at all. And uh, we're watching it, and she's pretty familiar with both of their work. And like, we're probably like five minutes in, six minutes in, and she's like, "This is okay, but it's not great." And I was like, Shh, "Can you just can you just <laughs> let them have their match?" <laughs> Let
0: it breathe. <laughs> like,
1: give it, give it time. This is New Japan. Like, it, it, it's gonna get there. It's just they're telling a story, okay? <laughs> and um, and then by the end of it, she's like, "Wow, that was really great." And I was like, "Yeah, it was really great." And um, I thought Suzuki and Takagi had a great match. Uh, I agree with you. I didn't think that this was. It's funny. I listened to Observer today uh, when he talked about this, and he was like. Not quite a match of the year, but right underneath it. I disagree, personally. Um, I think this is in that four to four and a quarter range, and I think when something's in four to four to four and a quarter range, it can't be anywhere close to match of the year. Um, I just think a lot of wrestling fans are so starved for good wrestling that they're willing to, like, throw accolades on shit that's, like, you know, above, you know, the the, the other quality wrestling that we're getting out there. But... um. I liked this match a lot. I thought it was easily the match of the night. I thought these guys worked really hard. I think they've got a better match in them, and I was definitely biting on a lot of the um, the action here. The funny thing is, like, there weren't like a lot of kickouts. It wasn't this wasn't a match where you saw like bombs and then kickouts and then bombs and kickouts and near falls. This was just kind of a war. These guy these guys were going in there throwing everything they had, and then once Suzuki. Hit Shingo with that Gotch, you know. I think there's some people who probably thought Shingo was kicking out, but it, for right. people that are in the know, it's like you know that he's not kicking out once he gets Dude, hit with Gotch.
0: When he when he pointed up to the sky, lifted that man up, dropped him on his dome. I was like, that's it. he's <laughs> yeah, won like, this.
1: <laughs> I was like, who the fuck is he pointing at? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it doesn't matter who it was because whoever it was, they gave him the strength. He
0: was pointing to, to Carl Gotch. That might be <laughs> for the Gotch style pile driver. <laughs> seriously
1: i know i'm just laughing because i didn't think of that <laughs> oh my god yeah he he uh it's funny because you know you've got shingo who's like a dragon gate guy and then you got minoru suzuki who's like this uh i mean i guess he's a new Japan guy but also like shoot style and um suzuki is like oh yeah you want to talk to me about flips and the speed style. You want to talk about talk to me about T2P? All right, fuck that. Take hold, the scotch, <laughs> lay down. We we're in my house. This is Jingu. I'm the king, and the real king of pro wrestling regains the never open weight title for the second time in his career.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I the thing I love about this match, like you mentioned, it wasn't like the big move kick out kind of thing, but it was a lot of great counters. Um, you know, Suzuki going for that sleeper the whole time and Shingo having to fight out the sleeper and counter out of that, having to counter off the gotch. Um Suzuki several times countered out of the Last of the Dragon and there's just a lot of a lot of great back and forth counters like that. Uh, Suzuki busting up the drop kick. I love Suzuki's drop kick because it comes I, I out of nowhere and he just levels the guy. It was awesome.
1: Uh, watching that with my girlfriend, uh, when she saw it happen, I was like, "Oh, I love his drop kick." She's like, "That wasn't a drop kick; he just ran and kicked him." He like barely left the air. I was like, "Yeah, it's like super violent and vicious. It's yeah, awesome." It's awesome. She's like, "She's like, it's not as good as Okada's." So I was like, "It's better."
0: <laughs> and, and of course, we got the uh, you know the the junkyard dog uh, headbutt style spot there.
1: Uh, I, I saw people really criticizing this, and you know, I only saw this match once. I didn't really. Think that they were that hard because it's in the Open air and you can't hear the sound I sort of thought they were hitting their thumbs or their Hands but so everyone who saw it Is saying that they hit head to head Very very hard so I don't think
0: that spot they were Hitting very hard but there were some Other spots where they were headbutting and Suzuki did I heard the clunk Suzuki Hit, hit like a shoot headbutt on this man you All you heard was okay. that clunk and it like Echoed throughout the stadium I was like gosh Why are we doing this
1: <laughs> Right yeah, I agree with you. So, um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, one one really big kick out. Uh, Shingo did hit Suzuki with the Made in Japan. Right, Cup, yeah. Which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, man, this match was just uh, – these guys went out there. They threw down. Uh, they didn't need barbed wire. They didn't need C4. They didn't need uh, a scythe or any explosions. All they needed was – Their elbows, their fists, their hands, their heads, and violence. And they fucked each other up. And uh, Suzuki was the better man that night, and I loved it. Um, One thing before we move on. RIP to Shingo Takagi's Never title reign, which I believe is now the longest title reign Mm. in Never history. And uh, I I heard this past uh, maybe week or so on One Nation Radio, Rich Latta, who vehemently dislikes Cody Rhodes, but was still able to unbiasedly pay tribute to him as having one of the best title reigns in all of wrestling in uh, 2020. Well, I'd like to counter that with, let's talk about Shingo.
0: The dragon.
1: <laughs> uh, this man uh, took that title off of um, Hiroki Goto, February 1st, new beginning, in one of the you know, most violent matches of the year. Uh, He followed that performance up with a title defense at New Japan road in February against Tomohiro Ishii in a match that was even better than the match with Goto. Uh, And if you haven't seen that post match with Ishii, you need to go back and rewatch it. It's just incredible. Um, Comes back and has two defenses in July, one against show one against Desperado, both stellar. All of these matches around the four star or more rating. And then finally his title offense at Jingo against Minoru Suzuki. And so you're talking about five big matches, great competitors, great storytelling uh, that Shingo pretty much elevated the never title being like the number two title in the company at this point in time. Um, I mean, what Cody's title reign did w- in terms of story and build and prestige, um, Shingo kind of eclipsed that with, Straight up having wars and match quality And just making himself a dominant presence In the company Yeah
0: So uh, we had a question here from our buddy Oh
1: and, I, and I'd like to say I think it's the best title reign In wrestling this year
0: Yeah I would I have to agree Match quality wise yeah, elevation wise of the title Yeah
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so question here from our buddy Kevin Crawford In Georgia he says uh, who, would you like most, who would you most like to see Challenge Suzuki for the never title <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> uh,
1: Who is somebody that you'd like to see I mean I mean, Bro, I'm, I'm, I'm always down to see Tomohiro Ishii And him yeah, fight yeah,
0: Him and Ishii, Shingo rematch uh, Him and Goto run it again uh, Bro,
1: I, they're not gonna do it But I mean, I don't mind I wouldn't mind seeing him and Nagata run it back
0: Oh yeah, do that one more again um, Dude, him and Kojima
1: <laughs> Oh shit <laughs> Yeah bro, there's a lot you could do here Um you know, I, I didn't like Suzuki's first title run very much. I, I loved when he dropped the title to Goto, but everything leading up to it, he was having all those really terrible bull rope death matches. And they were just – and, and, and um, he was having those terrible lumberjack matches. Like, that sucked. But uh, hopefully this one's better than the last one, so.
0: Yeah. So uh, take us to the uh, next matchup here.
1: So, uh, fourth match of the night, and interesting, we only had six matches this night, which, like, I knew that going in, but then once it happened, I was like, man, it shows, like, breezing by, which was kind of nice, but uh, we got the long-awaited, anticipated IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match. The champion, Hiromi Takahashi, defending against the challenger, Taiji Ishimori. Yes,
0: I freaking love this match. I thought this was a great matchup. Uh, clearly, you know, going in, the story here was Hiromu's injured shoulder, um, you know, they did the whole angle where he missed a um, few of the dates on the Summer Struggle tour, um, you know, with Taiji forcing him to tap out with the Yes Lock, taking him off the tour, and then he came back, and obviously coming into this match with the taped-up shoulder, and, you know, that was just a big bullseye for Ishimori, and literally, like, beginning of the match, like, this man does a 450 on the arm, like, that's how you work a body part, RLPW style. <laughs> 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 and just just the the work that Ishimori did on Hiromu's arm, it wasn't boring. It wasn't slow. Um, I just thought it was great. He just found innovative ways to attack the arm and uh, the shoulder to build up. Obviously, his, his finisher is the S-lock and to build into that finish Um and Hiromi looked great as well, busting out a lot of his signature spots, having to overcome the, the arm injury and try, trying to fight back, you know, getting near falls with the dynamite plunger. Um, he, he gets a time bomb for a near fall. But, and, and the great story there, it's like his shoulder is not 100%, so you know, time bomb one didn't work, so he, he tries to go for time bomb two, and uh, Ishimori is able to counter that. And then I, I just love that sequence there where Ishimori, he does this inverted bloody cross that targets the arm and then he goes into the s-lock
1: yeah that inverted bloody cross was something that i don't think i've seen from ishimori or if i have i didn't recall it up to that point
0: i've I've never seen it
1: i thought it was a new move i mean in a a sense it was but i almost thought like he was debuting a new like maybe even finisher i was like oh fuck did he just finish him uh it almost had that vibe which was kind of kind of nice This match was, man, really, really good. Again, uh, high-octane, super fast-paced. Interesting thing here, uh, 13 minutes and 30 seconds. uh, The Shingo match uh, with Suzuki was only 14.56. Both matches under 15 minutes. So, I mean, the two best matches on the um, card, and the difference in quality between them is almost negligible. I rated them the exact same amount, and, I mean, we're talking, like, probably a draw when it comes to which one's better literally uh but this this match was something where like i we've seen them have longer matches and i think and you can see how good they can go and if they had been given maybe five six seven more minutes who knows we might even be talking about an even greater match possibly Mm -hmm. but they maximize their time at 13 minutes and 30 seconds like you mentioned uh Ishimori just really targeting the shoulder injury. In fact, it kind of reminded me of the um, the match that I recommended to you the other week. Uh, obviously, it's a more modern and fast-paced style, but kind of similar in tone and style to the um, Liger and Sano match mm. uh, from 1989. Yeah. Like, very similar. Um, and Hirono is just a madman here, even though he's, like, selling this shoulder He's still doing these crazy dives to the outside, to the inside, just, you know, trying to inflict pain wherever he can, but uh, Ishimori just uh, outplans him, outpaces him. I loved that this match never really slowed down. Like, they just continuously um, kept at their pace, and, like, you kind of thought, like, it was going to, like, be a hot start, but then slow down and then pick up later, and now they just kind of kept at a very steady pace for 13 minutes, and... And then it just ended very abruptly, but, you know, um, it was plausible for a guy like Hiromu to have the need to tap out with how much work Ishimori did to the shoulder and the effectiveness of his finishing hold. And I, I really enjoyed the story and the match that they told here. I, I thought this match was excellent.
0: Yeah. Also, I loved a, a part of the arm work, you know, Ishimori busting out La Mystica. Um, and Yeah. And using that as a, a setup to try to, to work to the arm there. And so that was kind of a cool little setup there as well. And, of course, we, we got some uh, some flat neck bumps with uh, Hiromu uh, and Ishimori with, with some, uh, some German exchanges there. <laughs> but, yeah, so overall, really great match. Um, for me personally, this this was my match of the night. I liked it a, a smidge better than um, Suzuki and Shingo. But like you said... Both matches are great, like, either either match, either or, like, you can't you can't really be wrong picking one of those matches as your match of the night.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think I'm probably, like, four and a quarter on both.
0: Nice. I'm four and a quarter on the Shingo and Suzuki, and I'm four and a half on the Hiromu and Ishimori. Too high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
1: take us to the uh, semi-main event here.
0: Yeah, so semi-main, we had the IWGP tag team title match We had the Dangerous Techers, the current champions tai Chi and Zack Saber Jr. Taking on the team of Golden Ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi um, Obviously, these guys have been feuding for months now um, We know this, it started even before the pandemic And it picked right back up uh, when they came back into action And um, just the story that they've been telling with, you know, Dangerous Tickers kind of being dominant and Ibushi and Tanahashi having issues and Tanahashi kind of being the weak the weak link of the, the Golden Ace team here. And, um, you know, they had some kind of miscommunication issues and Dangerous Tickers was trying to get Ibushi to uh, join Suzuki Gun and join them and leave Tanahashi. But ultimately, finally I'm going to stick with Tanahashi. And, you know, Tanahashi kind of got his mojo back towards the – Last few shows of the Summer Struggle Tour. Um, They're winning their multi man matches. He looked incredible shape. He looks like he's in G1 shape, and obviously, G1's around the corner. I mean, he looked great shape. He had great gear coming for this show. And so he kind of got his groove back. And so we went into this match thinking, all right, you know, the Ace is back, and, you know, Abushi's on his game. So these guys are getting the titles back.
1: Yeah. I I saw the tweet that you sent out from our group or from our uh, Twitter account. um, kind of complaining about the uh, <laughs> the mishmash, the mashup of music that they did for uh, um, Tanahashi and Ibushi. Oh my gosh, it was horrible, dude! And you and, and you didn't co-sign it by saying that it was Jeremy or JD or whoever, you know. So people kind of could have easily believed that it was my opinion because I am a hundred percent in disagreement with you. Really? Yeah. A hundred percent. You liked that. No, I didn't like it, but I like it for storyline reasons because it made the fact that they didn't win here more like important. Like, okay, first off, I didn't hate the music. Like, I think, um, I think you were a little too rough on it. Like you made it sound like it was like the worst thing you ever heard. And it's like, it was way better than most of the music you hear in WWE when they do that shit.
0: I don't know. To me, it's just it was just I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. You had you know just the way they transition into both themes. It just it's just like you know, in on WWE, where we, two random people start teaming together. Oh, Oscar, Kyrie saying, "All right, let's you know let's just randomly blend their music together, fade one in, fade one out." Personally, like I agree with you that yes, it was kind of a great storytelling element. They got this new music. So you're like, all right, they're going to invest in them as a long term team.
1: Yes, but- exactly. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh they're trying to make like you brought up all the great points like both of these guys well and one thing you didn't mention was they looked incredible like yeah tanahashi has like trimmed down like i don't know how he does it like i tried my whole life to like his genetics are insane like the muscle memory i don't know but like he's just like freaking shredded he's got his abs abushi's looking incredible they just look look like a million bucks then you're right like they were winning all of their matches in the build-up to this. And it was like, they were back and you know, every time dangerous techers try to get the better of them, they were, they were besting them, which like, I don't know, man, to me, that's always a telltale sign that like, these guys are not winning, you know? Mm, right. But like, I listened to like observer and like Dave, like bit hook, line and sinker. Like he thought they were winning based off that shit. And he's been watching this forever. <laughs> And, you know,
0: uh, last week we predicted. We were like, this is the one match where this the, the title's going to retain the champions.
1: Right. And, uh, oh, funny thing, too. My girlfriend, she, like, her two favorite guys are Shingo and Hiromu. And uh, they both lost the titles. And she's like, this show sucks. <laughs> 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 it's uh, pretty funny. Okay. And- but, uh, but when they came out with the um, new gear and the new music, I was like, oh, they're for sure losing. And it's awesome because they make they're making you as an audience member believe like, oh, Golden Aces are going to ride forever. This is for real. We are investing in them long term.
0: Uh uh You know what you know what this was? That that was ay a Y2AJ. Uh
1: yeah, Y2AJ. Yeah, exactly.
0: We're going to print these shirts, make you think we're building this long-term tag team. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, you know, it would have been smart. See, that's the difference between AEW and New Japan. AEW knows when they can capitalize on a good shirt. They just call up uh, freaking pro wrestling tees, send them a design, and they sell that shit out like, you know, a week before it's not even going to be relevant anymore. And New Japan needs to start doing that because they could have easily had some incredible Golden Ace merch, and now it's like probably done. Like they fucked up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they need to get their uh, stuff, the merch game up there.
1: But, yeah, I, I, I didn't love the music, although I thought it was better than you made it out to be. But I was excited when I saw this happen because I thought it was an incredible story element. And then, uh, you know, the match was good. Um, I would say almost great. Uh, I personally don't know that I liked it better than the match where Dangerous Techers won the belts. Hmm. But I might be in the min- minority with that. seems like people really, really dug this match quite a bit.
0: I can't remember what I rated the the first uh, title match I feel like I was like four and a quarter Maybe on the, the on that title match uh, But this match I was a uh, flat four stars I enjoyed this match a lot And it's another one of those things This match only went 16 minutes um, I feel maybe if they had a few more minutes Maybe they could have kicked it into a, a higher gear But one thing I did love uh, as a Part of the story of this match Was you know in the build up into the first match We saw how they were targeting Tanahashi's knees And the, the finish of that match How Sabre had just wrecked Tanahashi's knees That led to the finish But you know the build up to this match They Tanahashi did the dragon screws To Sabre In the build yeah. up to this match So Sabre came up with a taped knee So that was a, another kind of indicator Like oh well now Sabre has the weak, weak legs Maybe that's going to be what causes them Golden ace to win And that was a target for Tanahashi In the match to go after the legs But it didn't work out for them to get the win.
1: Um, another off-subject comment about my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> just because I think her like uh, views on New Japan are so comical. So like she's like, I hate Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> and I'm like, why? She's like, the way he wrestles is disgusting. He <laughs> just rolls around on the ground and just puts people into disgusting holds that nobody wants to see and just wears these tight little underwear. They don't even fit over his butt. <laughs> Well, you know <laughs> I'm like I'm like, he's the greatest wrestler in the world, like technically. She's like, I know, I've heard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I can't blame her. I, I used to hate Saber for quite some time and then finally my, my eyes were open to to the greatness.
1: He's a badass bro. Oh um,
0: but yeah, this match, yeah, great back and forth here. Um and then eventually kinda coming down, Tanahashi just being the one once again, kinda getting worked down here by uh Tai Chi and Sabre. And we kind of saw a spot here where, like we mentioned with the knees, where were where Tanahashi and Abushi were going to dra- do that similar kind of dragon screw spot that Saber and Tai Chi did to them in the previous match. Um, they were, they were running wild. They were hitting the golden blades, which is like a, a backdrop into a final cut kind of maneuver. They were hitting those. Um, Ta- tai Chi brings out the iron glove to try and uh, take out Abushi. Ibushi hits a high kick, and um, then they're kind of just kind of rolling back and forth, and then. Tanahashi hits the standing high fly flow, goes for the, the regular high fly flow, misses. Um, Taichi jumps in, and then they hit the Mephisto Zack driver and got the win.
1: Yeah, they got it clean. They tried to cheat, but they were cut off. I think what was really awesome about about this match was that it seemed so often that even though Dangerous Techers were like doing a lot of their like dirty plays and devious work and everything of that nature. Um, they never kept the heat for too long because the golden aces kept like being a step ahead of them, able to go toe to toe with them, able to keep pace with them and able to kind of outthink them and cut them off and, uh, you know, get major shine sequences over and over and over again. And this literally can, this trend continued all the way down to the end to, to, uh, until that moment that you mentioned where, uh, Tai Chi got the uh, the uh, Iron Claw and it looked like this traditionally would have been where most New Japan matches kind of end. Like interference, rough, ref bump, you know, someone uses for an object, it leads to a finish. But the aces kind of threw that shit out the garbage and we're like, yo, we're running this. And you're like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. And then at that point, I was like, maybe we're wrong. Maybe like maybe we're overthinking this. And like they really are and, like I started to believe for a second. And then he hit the 1st high five flow, and you're like, oh, the ace is doing it. Like, this is it. And then he didn't. And then they beat him clean. And it's like, oh, wow. Like, dangerous techers are for real, for real. You know, they might have cheated a lot on the way up to here, but, like, when when the big lights came on and the big show was there and the pressure is on them and it hurts inside <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> they they did what they had to do And uh, they put away the ace One, two, three And they proved that they are currently The best tag team in New Japan Pro wrestling
0: What a concept, heels wing a match clean
1: When they, sometimes, when they need to Not always, but sometimes yeah. When it's important, and they did And um, yeah, it was very emphatic There was a moment though Where Zach had Tanahashi and just a really, really, really nasty submission hold. And, um, Kota Bushi came into the ring and he had the, the murder Kota look on his face, but he really took his time getting there to like save Tanahashi. And, um, I'm not saying that's for sure foreshadowing, but it almost kind of felt like why it like, I don't know, maybe I'm just reading into it. Maybe he just like played the spot a little wrong, but like his pace was just really slow. Did you notice that?
0: I, I didn't pick up on that.
1: He like – he got the murder code look on his face and then he's just staring at him. And I'm like, dude, your boy is about to tap. Like he's the legal man. And OK. Co- you know, and like, OK.
0: I'm bitching on that spot now. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And like Kobushi took, took a long time getting there. And I'm not saying that like he was trying to lose or anything. But like maybe it is a little foreshadowing to the idea that we brought up that maybe there will be a feud between these two guys. I don't know. But uh, even if there's not um, – one thing I loved about this match was the kick sequences between oh. Kota Bushi and Taichi.
0: Yes, and that's something they've been doing pretty much since they've come back from the pandemic because they faced off in New Japan Cup, and then obviously this whole feud of Tekkers and aces. Like that's been one of the great things. Like these the, the kick like um, exchanges between Taichi and Bushi.
1: Yeah. So overall, just uh, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a show where we had three back-to-back-to-back, truly great matches. Um, and that's what we got here, was three great matches. And it was awesome. And I love, one thing I loved was the timing and the pacing of the show. Uh, I There are times where I'm kind of critical with the way they pace out New Japan shows, but this one just seemed to be perfect. Like, the early matches got like seven minutes the two mid-card matches got, like, 13 to 14 minutes. You know, the semi-main event got, like, 16. And then we're going to talk about the main event got, like, 26 minutes. It didn't overstay its welcome. And uh, this is a breeze of a show to watch. And it was really great.
0: Yeah. So we got uh, two questions here about this match. So first from uh, Sumo underscore Cerebro says, which of the Golden Aces will turn on the other first? They have constantly come up short against dangerous techers, and betrayal has been hinted at, at for a while.
1: Well, it does seem like. um, I don't remember where I heard this, but I think it was maybe the press conference where they mentioned that both uh, members of the Golden Aces are going to put their tag team on hiatus while they focus on singles and the G1. And, you know, we'll maybe come back together down the road later. Yeah,
0: interesting uh, comments there. And. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure quite how they're going to set it up But it definitely feels like it's going to lead to Like we were talking about last week The big Wrestle Kingdom uh, 15 match between these guys And maybe they're in the same block Or maybe not Or maybe one person gets more points than the other one, And they're in separate blocks And that's kind of like a starting point to it Whatever's going to happen I feel like the G1 is going to be the catalyst Of them actually end up feuding Instead of getting back together
1: I think that that is definitely a possibility, and I don't know if we can even completely call it. I mean, what is a feud? Is it going to be like just a series of matches? Or are they going to, or is it going to be like, we are enemies? You know, so it's hard to say.
0: Right. Uh, next question here from at YaSM Weller: Where does Kota Ibushi go from here? Is this the long long storyline to finally elevate him above a tag team and settle Tanahashi into dad status? Or will Tana redefine what NJPW dad is and Ibushi continues to flounder for mid-card titles?
1: Well, um, I, I, we've talked about the whole dad conundrum over the past, you know, in the past, and even last week I, I spoke on it. But the one thing I will say when it comes to New, New Japan and someone being quote-unquote a dad, I think it really just depends on what do you have left to offer? Because clearly. If we're talking about anyone who should be a dad at this point, then Minoru Suzuki should be a dad. But he's not because he's able to reinvent himself, keep himself marketable, fresh, exciting, and draw money and, and be great a big-time player. Yeah, and have great matches. Yeah, and have great matches. And that's something that Tanahashi is still doing. And until, like, I'm not saying Tanahashi is ever going to headline the Tokyo Dome again. He might, but I, I don't anticipate it personally. And um, I'm not saying he's going to win G1s, but I don't think we're ready for him to have his final G1 yet. And I don't think we're ready to see him tagging with Wato in the opening <laughs> matches. Like, we're not ready for that. And it's, it's not because of his age or his ability or anything like that. It has to do with the fact that he's a star. And he still draws money and he still sells merch and he can still go like <laughs> you know and um, he's probably in the same vein as like ninety two, ninety three 93 flare at this point you right, know? yeah yeah not 95 flare yet but he's not far from there um, that being the case as far as like a uh, abushi I think in my opinion we talked about how like he's been on a this year-long trajectory since uh, the Tokyo Dome. Uh, I hope – I can only hope and pray that this is leading to an actual logical booking that builds him over the course of the year. And um, we kind of laid out a scenario last year or last week. I don't know if it was me or you, but one of us mentioned the idea that this could cause friction between him and Tanahashi. And – be the impetus for a feud between them so that he ascends above Tanahashi and becomes, you know, a top guy. Uh, I don't know if that's what's happening, but I hope something like that happens. Sometimes in New Japan, they start feuds and then things just peter out and it doesn't lead anywhere. And I hope that's not what happens here.
0: Yeah, I just feel like it has been so much invested with this, with the whole Golden Ace run and all the promos and all the angles that they've been doing. I feel like it's going to lead somewhere.
1: You would think that but then G1 comes around and when G1 comes around all bets are off.
0: Yeah. I guess we'll see so, what happens with, with the blocks. You know,
1: G1 comes around and you just who knows what that that, that can turn everything on its head, change all the booking deci- like it, you know. It's 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 almost like a fresh start every time the G1 shows up.
0: Yeah. All right, it's time for the main
1: event. Take us there, Josh. Oh my god. Let's <laughs> no, I'm just I know re- people are probably ready for us to like tear this thing apart or maybe not ready for it. People are probably like expecting it, but, um, I don't really have much to say. Um, it was a good match. Uh, it was not by any means a great match and there were some problems with the match, but overall it was a good main event. Um, And Naito is your double Champion again.
0: Yeah, he didn't even Throw in the the intro of the match, man. Yeah, so Yeah, double title match here for IWGP Heavyweight title, intercontinental title Naito defeats Evil with uh, Dick Togo And so, yeah um, It wasn't, you know Obviously, it it wasn't your You know, IWGP Main event, you know, classic Banger Uh, It it wasn't a, a match of the year Contender, but for what they were trying to do, it was fine You know, it was a good little match
1: I mean, it's kind of not fine Because it's the <laughs> IWGP title <laughs> But, um I mean, I'm gonna give it the pass Because it was so much better Than what we got at Dominion Yes Which was truly horrendous
0: Yeah, this match was definitely better than the Dominion match
1: This, however, was not as good as Evil and Hiromu Correct For reference uh, <laughs> but But, you know they went out there. They had a match. They told their story. Lij Marks probably loved it. Evil Marks probably loved it. I don't know. Um, there were some significant botches in the match. Um, some sequences that got messed up, especially when it came. To-
0: Say goodbye
1: to the interference and the ref bumps with uh red shoes and they kind of like messed up the timing and red shoes didn't get bumped so evil had to throw them into into some exposed uh turnbuckle to kind of like save the spot uh there was a point towards the end of the match where naito and evil started going into your traditional uh new japan like fast-paced um series of uh you know, counters and, you know, counters to counters and that sort of thing. So it's going to lead into, a uh, you know, big match uh, finishing sequence. And they were in the middle of it. And, like, I don't know who fucked up, whether it was Naito or Evil, but one of them messed up. And I, the move just, whatever it was going to be, it looked really fucked up. And Chris Charlton, like, tried to call it Valencia, but it, it clearly was not Valencia. So there were some mistakes. But uh, 26 minutes, the match wasn't too long it didn't overstay its welcome there was some interference but given the story that they've told the interference actually kind of made sense luckily you had guys like bushy and i believe was the other one yes who kind of uh made the save against uh dick togo and who was it gato yeah, gato and i think jada was out there too oh okay so they kind of made the, the play to save Naito from all the uh, Bullet Club geeks and goons. And um, Naito showed why he's the better man against Evil. Very reminiscent of the storyline they did with Naito when he was the champion going against Okada. Um, and, you know, it was a real feel-good moment at the end because Evil was vanquished. Naito stands tall. He's tranquilo. He get the golden roll call. He loves baseball. They're in a baseball field. There's <laughs> <Just> a bunch, <laughs> a bunch of fireworks. You got the big fireworks. Yeah. Overall, although although those were those were nowhere near the level of like say Saudi fireworks or <laughs> e- even uh, just regular Wednesday night Cody pyro fireworks, but they were pretty good. Um, and yeah, sent the show off happy.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the key element there was. Yeah, the interference, because, you know, the whole thing with L.I.J., they have this whole, like, respect thing where, like, no matter what, like, even if we're getting beat up, like, ten on one, like, don't come help me because I got to overcome it. And so that's why that was their cover-up for why they never, you know, run out and save each other. But this time, Sonata and Bushi were like, nah, we can't let our boy get his head-bust like this again. And so they finally ran out, made a save, even the playing fields, which allowed Naito to... Um, conquer evil
1: bro social suplex we do not have that code if i'm getting my ass handed to me one of y'all somebody (laughs) needs to come help me (laughs) the fuck (laughs) terrible friends (laughs) all right i don't know man um one thing i want to say very interesting is like now's not the time to do it but down the road you know, we got a lot of questions about evil and his title reign and where it fits in history and everything like that. And it's like that that Okada match, that the the two Naito matches, and the Hiromi match. I don't know, man. We'll talk about it when we start comparing <laughs> it to history. Yeah, some of us is right, which is me, and everyone else is wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, no, what? I'm
1: just playing. But uh, I don't know. I mean, what were you, any final thoughts on this match? I know we got questions, but
0: yeah I mean, not really much to add you, you you hit all of the points there, and yeah, I thought you know it's better than Dominion um, it wasn't super long, didn't extend its welcome, great way to end the show, nice so it kind of tie this little story up and
1: yeah, one thing I wished deep down, I wished I would have been proven wrong where they would have gone out there and like had that banger, yeah. I, I am at the point where I don't think Naito can do that really as much anymore. I think he might be able to pull it out once or twice in a in a G one with the right guy, maybe on a Wrestle Kingdom or a Big Dominion show. But other than that, I don't know, man. That man might be washed.
0: Yeah, them them knees are cooked. <laughs>
1: Those knees are cooked.
0: <laughs> All right, let's go into these questions. So, uh, starting off from Reddit user Dirty Bubble. Is it a kind of revenge that Sonata is violently removing the dick of his former tag team partner? <laughs> and might that mean he's aligning himself with Noku and joining Suzuki-gun? By the way, props for the great show, and sorry for the stupid question.
1: Uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, the only thing I don't understand. Okay. Oh, I get it because Tak. Uh,
0: the kaien type, choppy, 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 choppy,
1: choppy <laughs> <PP>. <laughs> This is one of the best questions we've ever had.
0: <laughs>
1: We're not really the dick joke uh, New Japan podcast, but we will be this week.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it all works out. Long, long-term booking, long-term stories <laughs> at
1: So basically, there's a a very, very long connection over many, many uh, decades between Val Venus and Evil.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does that mean we're 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 gonna get old Sean Morley uh showing up?
1: Bro, I hope Sean Morley shows up on strong. <laughs> Comes out, he's like, Hello, ladies, and there's no one in the crowd. <laughs> Hello, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. Great I need
1: great you all to stop fetishizing Japanese wrestling and pay attention to the big Val boski <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man great question dirty bubble
1: <laughs> I, I saw uh, one time I was in this uh thrift store and I saw this uh w w e attitude era uh cookbook and one of the um this is like a hundred percent shoot one of the uh recipes was. The Big Valboski's Kielbasa
0: Yeah I, I remember seeing the advertisement for that <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like who the fuck would make this or eat this <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh Next question Next the... question <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go go for it
1: So Rambone Slam Pig asked He said how do you compare the two Naito Evil matches I like the second much more from an in-ring perspective Even though the shenanigans were still a bit much Agreed for an IWGP heavyweight title match, in my opinion, the aesthetics of the finish and post-match in front of the crowd in that stadium did pop me as a fan.
0: Yeah, totally agree with Ram Bones. I believe I thought this match was better than the first match. Um, did have a lot of shenanigans for an IWGP heavyweight title match, but clearly they were they were not playing to wrestle that style of match. And like we mentioned, the interference actually... Played into the story based on what they were doing, and yeah, it, the, the, the closing shots of Naito posing in in the Jingu night with the fireworks going off. It was, yeah, a great kind of closing visual there.
1: It's true. Everything you're saying is true, Jeremy, but was it worth it to get there? No. So that's that's <laughs> what I think. You know? I think there are people who are going to point to the end result and be like, you see, you idiots, you marks, you got worked by the master booker because he booked all this. Obviously, it was really all to get Naito to this moment, you know, so we could all enjoy this moment, blah, blah. It's a story. Just sit back and enjoy the story. And I'm like, yeah, man, but I had to watch all these tag matches with Evil and Ghetto, and I had to watch all these six-man tags. And I had to watch like, the rise of Evil, like... It was rough, bro. It's been rough. It's been a rough couple. I understand they've had some things going against them, but bro, with evil at the top, it's been rough in New Japan. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. So, like, no, I don't think it was worth it. And, yeah, I agree. This, I think this match was better. But um, I think if we sat down and we played that game, we won't do it this week. But if we sat down and played that game and we compared this IWGP title match... To all the other IWGP title matches Of the last five or six years I don't think people would really like the results
0: mm, Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save that For down the road uh, but So, yeah Next question here from Reddit user Ginger Ninja 666
1: Oh, and the reason I'm saying that is because Three and a quarter, three and a half Matches have no place headlining IWGP title match Shows
0: Amen to that, brother Yeah uh, so to user ginger, ginger ninja 666 Having been along for the evil experiment ride like everybody else I still, Oh god <laughs> I still find some of the criticism he gets for his ring work confusing Evil clearly hasn't been wrestling the same style that he wrestled before his heel turn Evil was never an amazing top tier wrestler But he also never used to do more illegal moves than legal ones in a match Like we're seeing him do now not true. That feels like a decision of the booking rather than his in ring skill. Everything Evil does builds towards something carefully planned, interference, or cheating spot. More so than even Jay White's matches. It feels like most people would be hampered by restrictions like that. They were telling a very particular story with Evil, and while I agree with that story wasn't that good, I'm also not sure what Evil himself could have done to make it better. The biggest knock against him that I've taken from this whole run is that he's not someone who can make just anything work. I fully admit that I'm probably missing a lot of things that a more experienced reviewer of wrestling could pick up on. So I guess my question is what is Evil doing wrong, performance wise, that can't be put down to the booking or match layout?
1: So I think um, Ginger Ninja 666. Uh, you bring up some good points. You bring up some points that I do disagree with. So, the idea that he never used more cheating tactics is not accurate. Um, although, in recency, it is accurate. Uh, L.I.J. was a heel team upon, once upon a time before they became kind of like heel leaning tweeners, you know? Right. And so, yes, Watanabe absolutely used more cheating tactics back then. Um, one thing he said here, he said, um, everything evil does builds towards some carefully planned interference or cheating spot more so than Jay White matches. I would disagree with that. Um, Jay White's matches used to point to heel interference from his heater, which is Gato. They still do from time to time, but the the reality is is they strengthened him as a character in a Kfabe sense, and he doesn't always need that as much as he did when he first became the leader of the Bullet Club. But I think that when he was doing it, if you want my honest opinion, it was better. In fe- objectively, it was way better than yeah. any anything Evil's doing. Yeah. And uh, we were and we were tearing that shit apart too.
0: Yeah, I don't think Jay had anything as low as Evil's had.
1: Broken Uh, What was that first G1 where he was doing that shit and he beat Okada and Tanahashi the first two nights out? Was that? That was 2018? 2018, yeah. And we were talking so much shit about how horrible his G1 run was. Evil's title run makes me wish for the days of Jay White's G1 2018 run, literally. (laughs) So... No, I don't think he does it better than Jay White did it because they're doing – the. in fact, he was doing a cosplay of what Jay White does and not as good. Um, I do think part of it is because he wasn't ready for it or maybe even um, – He wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, the long and short of it is evil – and I've said this to many people before and I've said it in the show and I'll just say it. The concise answer is Evil's not the right guy. I, I actually think the story they told was really good. I think that um, the idea of what they were trying to do was a good idea. Get over a talent at a perfect time when 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 striking the iron was the perfect time to do that. When it, when things were hot, um, there was a certain amount of convergence of uh, different things that were like transpiring. You know, with COVID, no fans, you know, lack of stars in the area, especially with the Bull club in particular. This is the right time to make somebody and to do it. I just fully 100% believe evil is not the right guy because like you mentioned in your uh, post here or your question, you said evil never was that great a worker. That is what I've been saying all along. He was never that great a worker. So it's like what could he do to make this work better? Well, he could be a better worker but he can't just magically do that after all these years because he's already proven to us that he's not that good a worker. So what could they've done differently? Pick someone else. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the people that are like, "Well, it makes the most sense because he was the number one guy that came in with Naito and he was the first one." Sure. Well, maybe Naito picked wrong and maybe Gato picked wrong. And all you who uh, attached your your, you know, wagons to this you know you jumped on the bad wagon when evil came out i'm telling you you picked wrong and uh history is not gonna smile kindly on those who loved the evil run (laughs) (laughs) so i mean yeah there's not much you could have done wrong uh there's plenty of heels in the history of wrestling who've had similar kind of bookings or match layouts in fact in the bullet club specifically Devitt, styles omega jay white they all did this shit better than than evil so no it's not the booking it's not the uh interference it's not all that shit it's him he's not good yeah that's you, it
0: Man, you stole my points man that's exactly how i was gonna bring up the other bullet club leaders but um what i i want to bring up too um so we, somebody sent us this tweet from uh craig from dot musings.com at craig pw musings on twitter does a lot of stats um for wrestling and so he says that Evil hit 18 moves in total in this match. However, he also <laughs> committed 23 fouls. He used more illegal offense than legal offense. He's never seen this before. Not even close.
1: I don't know if I could agree with that. Because, I mean, I think that there's been plenty of guys who have done that. But when I say that, I'm thinking of the Sheik, the original Sheik Faraha. I'm thinking of, like, Tiger Jeet Singh. I'm thinking of Abdullah the Butcher. I'm thinking of like the classic like rule breakers of all time. But you know, those guys were more menacing. They were able to actually get heat. They didn't need heaters. Mm. Guy guys who cheat that much don't need heaters because they get the heat themselves. Great point. Can you imagine can you imagine Abdullah the Butcher needing a heater? Get <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's the problem. Evil can't get heat.
0: Yeah, had to surround him with a bunch of heaters.
1: Man, fuck Evil. He sucks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, they had to give him the master heater.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: So take us to the next question. That,
1: that, that's, that's a great stat, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Where are we? So uh,
0: who, day 42.
1: Um, who, who day 42 asked us. He said, I understand that certain people on this podcast were not fans of the evil experiment. My question is Now that we know the beginning, middle, and end of the reign And even with your feelings on his entering work Don't you think it was a better choice for evil to win the belts Than say Naito defending the belts twice successfully Um, I feel that there was at least a compelling narrative And Naito got to triumph again in a really cool way
0: So two things here So (laughs) (laughs) First Like we just mentioned in the last question they want to tell the story of Naito quickly losing the title They want to make somebody new They want to build to this whole you know, redemption, mini redemption arc And end with Jingu with fireworks and Naito winning the titles back They could have done that story They could have done the exact same story But like you said, they picked the wrong guy You could have had somebody else that could have been just as compelling Had better matches And you still could have got to the same end point Then on the the other hand, if Naito had kept the belt and kept defending, I mean, who's to say that couldn't have been better? Like, we don't know who he would have gone against. Maybe he would have faced off against better opponents and could have had maybe two or three better double title matches down the road.
1: Yeah, man, they got Naito looking like a whole ho out here. Literally, this man can't hold onto the belt. He's got two win two title wins, two title defenses ever historically, and lost the title back twice. So now he's at his third title win in history. And it's like, you know, it's cool that you've held the belt three times, but you don't want to be that guy who got hot shotted to you the first two times, you know. The only good thing about this for for the Naito fans out there. It makes it more plausible, hypothetically, that he might have a lengthy title run after the fact. But um, I don't know with the way his knees are looking, the way his body's looking, the way his wrestling is. I'm not so confident about that. So maybe it would have been better to let him have a lengthy run. I mean, why can't he have a blood feud? Why can't he have two title defenses against two challengers that were? I I'll tell you what. Everyone who's like, oh, this was so compelling. It was so good, man. I like that Kenta shit way more than this evil shit. And I didn't even like the Kenta match at all. (laughs) So that tells you how good the storyline really was. The only good thing about it was that evil's got some cool hair, some cool gear and some cool music. And maybe we got something to look forward to down the line. Hypothetically, if Jay White can ever get back into the country, maybe, but, um, these matches, I'll never rewatch this match.
0: Yeah. neither, Neither will I. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and um, I'll always look back and think that they shouldn't have put the title on Evil. Yeah. And and, and here's the, my last point. Um, you brought up what we call false dichotomy. You said either Naito defends the belt twice or Evil gets the belt, and then you know those are your only two options. What about the third option that Jeremy brought up? Anybody else? <laughs> 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 because that does exist. And when you're booking pro wrestling, you can do whatever the fuck you want because it's make-believe. So, yeah, hey, I think hey, they should have booked down, it. Calm down, pal. Don't,
0: don't expose the business on this podcast.
1: It's not make-believe. I shouldn't say that. It's But, you know, it. they should have booked it different. Because uh, long-term, I'm telling you, regardless, regardless of how quote-unquote successful this little story was, you cannot draw money with Watanabe. And you are not going to... Put butts in seats with this guy and you're not Going to have great matches with him So what are we really doing
0: Yeah (laughs) So uh, next question Here from at Oscar Rooney on Twitter Was the evil and Naito feel good ending Story even though the wrestling wasn't good Was what fans needed During these times
1: Maybe, but what I feel like the fans really needed was that really, really great Shingo Suzuki match and that really really great Ishimori and Hiroma match. That's kinda that felt like what the fans need. Also, the uh the really great tag team match, those were the things that the fans needed. Um I mean, I do think the fans need evil get his ass off the title, which <laughs> which was great. <laughs> and the fireworks didn't hurt, but other than that, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean like the, the, the story, the idea was good. It was not executed well.
1: Man, they, if they would have told this story. Okay, let me just put it in perspective for you. And there, there, there's going to be holes in this. It's not perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than what we got. If you told that story with Shingo, we'd be talking about one of the most classic all-time feuds in the history of New Japan. We'd be talking about five-star matches. We'd be talking about how these people were able to get it done in the middle of a pandemic. And we'd be talking about how they're the promotion of the year, the feud of the year, match of the year candidates. Instead, we got fucking Watanabe. <laughs> and I know that people who are like, well, I really wanted the Suzuki match and we're not ready for that. And you know, that, that doesn't totally make sense. And it's like, no, nah, fuck that. If they turn Shingo, if Shingo been the guy, Bro, can you imagine? Oh my god.
0: And, and you know and, you know a lot of people, you know, they say, you know, oh, well, it, it made more sense for Evil cuz he was the first guy that he picked. Actually, wouldn't it make more sense for Shingler turns cuz he's the guy has the least amount of time in LIJ?
1: Yeah, and and also he's got more history with Naito anyways cuz they came up through Animal Hamagot, Hamaguchi together. And he's not really Lij. He's an outsider, anyways, and he's he's been feeling like an outsider since he got in the shit. So yeah. That also, 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 um, like there are people who um. Oh god, I forgot what my point was. I had a really, really good point. <laughs> um, I don't know what it was. Oh, I know what it was. There's people who are gonna be like, oh well, you know. It made more sense to go with evil because there's no crowd. So now's the perfect time to do it. Why if you gotta hide the guy with the fact that there's no crowd because you know you can't draw money with him, and you're just praying to God. That's a problem. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But I guarantee you, if you went with Shingo now, it would pay dividends later. And maybe they still will. But I'm just telling you, it would have been better story and it would have been better matches. And I would have liked the six. I would have liked all the multi-man matches that they ran in Cork and Hall a lot better. Make my life a lot easier. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I just want to enjoy the wrestling that I'm watching. That's all.
0: <laughs> How, dare that crazy. How dare you? How dare you?
1: God damn! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking evil on my screen. Can't draw done. I wanna
0: wear motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh man
1: Can I do a Jim Cornette impersonation Is enough time pass or th- Nah 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 Nah,
0: nah
1: alright
0: uh, Next question from Sir Sam He says what is next for evil He won that big one But now the follow up begins
1: The G1 <sighs> He'll probably win the IWGP title again at some point <laughs> unfortunately. Maybe, I don't know.
0: But yeah, I mean, next, we, we got a uh, New Japan Road coming up, and then we got G1, so you know, he's still facing off against LIJ and Multi-Mans on New Japan Road, and then we got G1, so that's kind of what's on the horizon for him. And I guess depending on what he does in G1, that's going to probably set up his Wrestle Kingdom match.
1: He will, I mean, my early prediction, he will be in one of the A or B block finals of the G1. Yeah. That's what's next for him. Yeah. Oh, and whatever block he's in, is going to suck.
0: So he's going to be in the A block.
1: Get, get ready for the A block to suck with Evil in it. Trust me. <laughs> how much, bro? How, all right, listen. Here's how confident I feel about this. What do I have to give you if Evil doesn't have a single four-and-a-half-star match the entire G1? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> let's let's place a bet here. Let's do a bet. Now if I'm wagering to you, do you think that he's pop, do you think that he what he's gonna have 10 matches, right? Yeah,
0: well he'll have nine matches.
1: Nine. Do you think out of his nine matches that he will have do you want to take this bet because I'm saying he will not have let's bring it down. four and a quarter. this I'll, I'll say that this man, I'll make it even sweeter for you. This man's not having a four and a quarter star match or higher. The whole tournament you want to take those odds
0: not not even, not one at all
1: not not one. Oh man because what I'm saying sounds really plausible you don't even want to take this bet <laughs> you?
0: but you know I'm not really a betting man
1: all right, all right we it, won't do it but uh, I feel like I feel like this might be fun but it's fine
0: I'm sure we could find somebody uh, in, in the network nope,
1: it, nope, it has to be you <laughs>
0: Can can I can I pull a Roman Reigns and wait to wait to sign the bet right before G one starts?
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it week after week on the show. Have you given my proposition any more thoughts, Jeremy?
0: And then I'll <laughs> I'll hire Rich to be my advocate, and then I
1: might I might lower it to four. I don't know. We'll
0: see. <laughs> Rich will be my advocate. He'll go over the bet with me for weeks, and then right before the first night of G one is when I'll I'll make my decision whether or <laughs> not I'm gonna make the bet.
1: All right. Uh, next question from Maple Leaf uh, Wrestling History Podcast at MLW History Pod. Uh, he said, Is Ghetto using the IWGP title in hopes to make fan register guys like Evil and J.Y. as main event status talent? I think about when Nakamura won the belt prematurely, and that didn't really help him. And to a lesser extent, the same for Okada's first reign. Well, I think,
0: yes, clearly that the idea is to. Elevate somebody when you're putting your Heavyweight title on them especially the IWGP heavyweight title I think that it did a better Job for Jay White Over evil And, and building to that Madison Square Garden show and I, I think Jay White came off More of a star from that title run and That feud and It's, it's, it's a main event guy I can See him as a main event guy whereas It did not do that for evil
1: Well, you know, with IWGB title, you've got the long lineage of the history of the title, but then you also have the short term uh, lineage, which means like the cachet that it's built up over, say, the last seven or eight years, as opposed to the whole entire length of it, you know, Mm -hmm. and. When I say that, it kind of means like they sort of undid a lot of the bad will that was done in the mid-2000s, you know? So it's not exactly the same thing as what happened with um, Nakamura, although that's a good point. I would disagree with the Okada one because I think they uh, had similar booking to Okada here. But, I mean, Okada proved he was such an uh, aficionado that, like... Sure, he wasn't the star he is today, but he definitely got over, you know, off of that. But um, the reason I bring up the uh, the long term lineage and the short term lineage is because they have been able to prove that when they put the title on somebody, given the prestige of the title in the short term, that it does elevate the guy to a certain degree. It shows that we are truly believing this guy. We truly have faith in him, and he's a big deal. And it tells you, it's a signal to you that he is a big deal. That's what happened with Jay White, and I know that there is a segment of fans who that didn't fully translate for, but I think most diehard fans, if you go on any like New Japan message board, you go on any like Facebook group or website, people are clamoring for Jay White to come back. Like it's a big deal, almost as much as they want Osprey back. Believe it or not, Mm -hmm. in fact, Osprey might have a lot less good will, <laughs> given everything that happened over there. But uh, it didn't work with evil. I don't think that's just my opinion. I think that, um, you know, that whole thing with like the belt making the man that might've been true for some guys, but like for evil, it just didn't like, and it's the one time where like, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, well now's the perfect time to put the title on him because it's COVID. I think that might've actually backfired. It's like, Oh, you're only putting the belt on him. Because it's COVID, which tells me I shouldn't believe in this guy, which we didn't to begin with. Um, And I'm sure that there are people who support him. There are people who are fans of him and liked this story. But um, I don't think that it's the same cachet as it was when they tried to go with Okada or when they went with Naito in 2015 or when they went with uh, Jay White recently. Those are the most recent situations I can think of where they did – you know, in the past decade, short-term first title reigns to establish a guy. And it worked with Okada, and it worked with Naito, and it did work with Jay White. I don't think it's going to work with Evil.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure we can t- – people say, well, you know, let's see what happens next. And yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens next, but yeah, I, I just don't think that it works.
1: You can you can say let's see what happens next, but you didn't feel like you needed to say "What let's see what happens next when it came to Okada or when it came to Jay White. Or when it came to Naito. And those are the three most recent uh, you know, uh, versions I can kind of give to you. So also with AJ Styles, you didn't really have to say that either, even mm. though his was kind of a failure too. So, I mean, four guys right there. Boom, boom, boom. So, uh,
0: next question here from Stale Burger Bun. When is my boy Evil getting another run with the big belt?
1: Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, the, the hard part there is maybe he will, but I mean… You've got guys like obviously Shingo, Shingo Osprey, Osprey Okada, Jy Abushi. Uh, I that whole thing, you know, we used to get questions all the time. People would say like, "Who's next to get a title run?" That's never held it. We'd name a bunch of names, and Evil was never one of them. Well, I still would name all those names above Evil, even at this point. So, I don't know. I'm not saying it's impossible. It is definitely possible once you've had the belt the chances you hold it a second time are a lot higher but i don't know you know chona only held the belt once
0: i'll say say this he ain't winning it
1: again this year no no (laughs) not this year it the earliest it could possibly be is next year if I was giving you the earliest case scenario, new beginning-ish
0: time That's period. exactly what I was thinking. February, March, like right before like New Japan Cup or something.
1: But let's pray to God that doesn't happen. Sorry, Stale Burger <laughs> Bun. Maserati asks, PM um, – oh, <laughs> PM. Sorry, I'm reading this wrong. Does that mean they gave up on EVIL being in the main event that is – I'm just reading the question the way that you have it laid out here, Jerry. Well, what the, was he
0: and that's exactly what he typed in the Discord. I think he was <laughs> trying to say with Evil losing, does that mean that Gato gave up on Evil?
1: No, this was always the booking scenario. Uh I I laid out scenarios for guys like Jay White, like Okada and like Naito, and all of those guys when they first got their first title runs, they were short title runs. They had one title defense max, I think, and then they dropped it back usually to the guy that they won the belt from or some similar version of that. So this is actually pretty typical uh, booking for, for Gato specifically when it comes to establishing a new champion, you know, short-term title run. So, no, I don't think it means they gave up on him, but they might want to. Yeah, but I don't really think they should give up on him, but maybe just find something that's more fitting for the guy. Like, I don't think this is the right role for him. He's, he is a good wrestler. It's just
0: he's not a main eventer IWGP title wrestler.
1: I mean, I, I really liked him in his tag team with Sonata. They had some bangers, man. I don't know.
0: Yeah, he I had mean, some
1: good he had some good never title matches. Like that's where he's at. He's a, he's he's not a top blind heavyweight. Like he's a he is a never guy who should be fighting never guys.
0: Yeah, it'd be so much better for him. Absolutely. So, uh, next question here from BJ Baker in the Wrestling Score Circle. He says, how well do you think, score-wise, Evil will do in the G1? Uh,
1: I think he will end up with... Uh, let me take a look here. I'm just kind of looking online through history. I mean, he's
0: always done pretty well, and he was not yeah. a top heavyweight guy. I mean, there's years he's gotten like 10 points, 8 points.
1: I'm just trying to remember like what it takes to like be in that top line. He's going to get at least minimum 10 points. If I had to make a guess, he'll wind up with 10 or 12 points. Yeah. Which is a lot.
0: I mean, we're saying he's going to be in one of the block finals. So he's going to have, he's going to be one of the top two guys in the block.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, um Let's just say 12, you know, he gets six wins. That's a lot. That's a lot of wins for evil in the in the G1 He's gonna take three losses six wins Yeah
0: Then uh last question here from Mazara or no, actually from Muzza, my bad He says uh, with the G1 just around the corner. Who do you see beating Naito in the G1 to get a future title shot? My picks are one of the dangerous tickers and Ishii
1: <sighs> those are not bad picks. I think Tanahashi is a really great pick for that. I don't see him headlining the dome or winning another G one. to see him uh, getting a title shot against Naito. I also got a feeling now as unlikely as this sounds to people. I think for those Naito fans who have been clamoring for him to have a lengthy title run, I think he might get that. And I think he might retain in the dome. Unless he's fighting Naito, I think I don't. I don't know that they're gonna make a guy against him in the dome this year. Like that, we might have to wait until say Invasion Attack or whatever they want to call it this year. Uh, you know what? What was what's it been Sakura Genesis? Yeah. My guess is we might have to wait till February or April of next year for that to happen. I think he's beaten whoever he fights in the G1 this year. And uh, I think he's gonna beat Tanahashi on the way there. Yeah,
0: I definitely think a Tanahashi title match post G1 would be uh, kind of something great to do—a great uh, main event match you can throw out on a, on a big show there on the way to the dome. Yep. And, and again, it kind of it could, and that could be fueled to the fire for the Abushi rivalry. Like Abushi could be like. You were like stinking it up in our tag team And you just got an IWGP tile shot And you failed again in that Like I should have been in that match And maybe that could build some animosity there
1: Maybe But uh, that is our review of Summer struggle in Jingu Stadium And what a struggle it was This was <laughs> the one show of the whole summer That I liked in New <laughs> Japan
0: <laughs> Yeah it definitely was a summer struggle But you know what won't be a struggle for people?
1: What's that, Jeremy?
0: Manscaping when they use <laughs> the Lawnmower 3.0. If you use Lawnmower 3.0, there should be no summer struggles for you when it comes to manscaping. The manscaping team engineered the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. We've been talking about it all summer. By now, you guys should be realizing how great these products are and, and ordering them.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It, I, I feel like if you haven't ordered, it's really hard for you to realize how great it is until you try it for yourself. You listen to the show every week. You trust our takes, our opinions and our ratings when it comes to pro wrestling. <laughs> trust my opinions, my takes and my ratings when it comes to manscaping. And uh, you can't do any better than manscaped. It's well worth the money spent. And not only that, but we have an incredible giveaway along with any of the fantastic products that you might Potentially get from manscape by using our codes and our credits
0: Yeah, so the next three people who purchase something from manscape and use our code suplex and email us proof of purchase to Social suplex at gmail. will get all out which is coming up this Saturday You will get that courtesy of the social suplex podcast network so you're, you're getting the 20% off you're getting the free shipping. You're getting a product that features a cutting-edge shrink blade that reduces manscaping accidents. Last 90 minutes, water-resistant technology, LED light, 7,000 RPM motor of stroke technology. You're getting all of that. The discount and the all-out pay-per-view.
1: And listen, if, uh, you know, using a ball trimmer is not your thing, maybe you want some deodorant. Maybe you want some butt wipes. Maybe you want a nose trimmer. I don't know what it is that you need to take care of, but you know that you know your specific hygienic needs. And our friends at Manscaped have got you covered. Go to the website. Take a look at the products. It doesn't even matter what it is. Find what you need. And then when you do, go ahead and buy it. Use our code SUPLEX to check out. And not only are you getting the 20% off, which is a fantastic deal, and you don't have to pay for shipping, but we're going to give you one of the best wrestling shows of the year. Now I know it's AEW. Some of you are pro elitists, but are you really telling me you're not going to watch it if we pay for it because it's on us? So instead of going and getting an illegal, pirated channel that might drop, it might lag, it might have terrible, you know, graphics or whatever you want to, you know, whatever it is, let us pay for you to have the the actual um, <laughs> pay per view take care of your hijacked needs, and thank us. And that's it.
0: Yeah, so that code is SUPLEX at Manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping. SUPLEX at Manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping.
1: So now is the time of the show where we discuss the match of the month and the wrestler of the month for the month of August twenty twenty. Yeah,
0: and we definitely, you know, had some tough choices to make. Um, there's a, a lot of candidates for Wrestler of the Month. There were some interesting candidates for Match of the Month, but we uh, we finally narrowed it down here.
1: Yeah, so starting with Match of the Month, um, we had to award this to Suzuki and Shingo, and you know, um, Jeremy mentioned that his match of the night at the Jingu stadium show was easily the uh, Hiromu and Ishimori match. And um, you know, you can make that argument with me and I'd probably agree with you. Uh, These matches were so close in quality. It's (laughs) it's literally splitting hairs. Um, I think the reason we ended up going with Shingo and, and Suzuki, I felt personally that it was slightly better in terms of overall quality, but as we've had to do in many other months where we weren't completely sure about what the uh, match of the month was, we've deferred to the overall ratings on both Grapple as well as Cage Match. And I mean, literally when I say that it's razor thin, it is razor thin. We're talking like fractions of a point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But on both websites, they've got the uh, Suzuki Shingo match slightly rated higher. So that's the reason we are uh, announcing it. Shout out to the Never... Uh, six-man tournament uh, finals where Yoshihashi won his title, that, w- believe it or not, actually wasn't far off in quality from these two matches either, and it was rated pretty highly on both those sites in comparison to uh, you know both these Jingu Stadium shows. But uh, that's going to do it for match of the month, Suzuki versus Shingo. They take it.
0: And then for the August Wrestler of the Month, the our winner for that is going to be the new never open weight champion, the King Minoru Suzuki. Uh, the reason we picked Suzuki, the the build up with the the shingo match. It was a great build with all the multi man matches, the promos that they were doing, and then they went out there had a great match. Um, Suzuki winning the never open weight title once again. Suzuki's just been having an incredible year. Obviously, we're focusing on August, but this was a, a really good month for him. You know, shout out to some of the other uh, runner ups that we. Uh, Talked about we talked about Yoshihashi believe it or not Um you know finally winning his First um new japan Title um having Some great matches in that never six Man tournament um he he Did really well um But i I don't know i just felt like the overall Build to suzuki shingo Was just better and i think in the Long term that that suzuki wins Is going to mean more in the future
1: Yeah suzuki had a lot Going for him um you know, it doesn't count for this month, but coming off that big win over uh, Nagata leading into the month, that did a lot to kind of like skyrocket him. And then um, the next night, which also counts for the month, I know it's not uh, the most stringent thing, but um, he actually went to Big Japan and uh, fought in one of their big shows and put and, uh, had an unexpected excursion match against, uh, forget, Nomura, Noyora, one, one of the young – up-and-coming stars that they have over there. So uh, did some big things here. This month, I will say this, this is one of the worst months in, New Japan, in recent uh, memory when it comes to New Japan, just taking a look at all the Road to shows that they had. Uh, that Summer Struggle tour in Cork and Hall was very <laughs> rough. <laughs> and it, uh, usually when it comes to um, Wrestler of the Month, we're looking at like how many great matches do they have, how many achievements do they have. But this month we were like, man, we were like, literally looking over like I sent Jeremy a list like we considered Yano, we considered y- Yoshihashi, the Golden Aces, Dangerous Techers, Shingo Suzuki, Hiromu Ishimori, Naito Kenta uh, the Chaos 6-man team as a as a whole unit like we literally weren't sure and I think our deliberations literally came down to Yoshihashi and um, Suzuki and the funny th- I, I, the funny thing is like um <laughs> We're deliberating and like Jeremy's like give me the reasons why it can't be the golden aces and they're like pretty valid and then he was like and then uh you know Yoshihashi had a good month, but we can't give it to him, it's Yoshihashi <laughs> 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 And I was like, Wait, what the fuck? And then I like I was fighting him on it. He's like, If you wanna give it to Yoshihashi, we can do that and I was like, No, I'm not saying that I'm just saying we can't disqualify him based on our prejudices. So after a uh Lengthy discussion about Suzuki and Yoshihashi. We did feel, overall, based on his promo work, uh, his personal work, in his uh, you know lead-up matches, the few that they had, and then um, you know his achievement, you know ending Shingo's fantastic reign, that Minoru Suzuki had to be the winner here. Yeah. So, congrats
0: to the king, Minoru Suzuki, the August wrestler of the month. And so now, uh, real quickly, we're going to talk about uh, this past week's NJPW Strong, which we watched using the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com, with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, and custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. And of course, we're still doing these Friday. Uh, watch parties using the EXT, so you can come on, hop in the chat. Trust me, it'll make it a lot more enjoyable, especially for uh, this past week's show.
1: Here's my thoughts: Standing Limelight beat Jordan Clearwater at, in five minutes and fifty-eight seconds. The match was good. It was fine. Adrian Quest, Barrett Brown, Blake Christensen, and Mysterioso Jr. defeated ACH, Clark Connors, Carl Fredericks, and TJP. Uh, this match was the best match of the night. It was good. It wasn't great, but it was good. Um, Surprised that the team that won defeated the team with bigger names in ACH, Connors, Fredericks, and TJP. And then the main event, Chase Owens and PJ Black. It's an interesting matchup. They won 11 minutes. I didn't think the match was great. It was fine. Um, Nothing really too memorable from this match, from this show. I will say I thought this was, again, Um not the best New Japan Strong showing in fact I Was so disenfranchised with The show that I sent a Uh remark out to our group Chat that said New Japan Strong Is weak Yeah I mean
0: compared to The Lions Break collisions that just came off So well um you know the last Couple weeks of Strong just Not hitting on the same level and I know This was you know quote unquote this was the the road To fighting spirit Unleashed and um
1: Oh, that's right. It's supposed to be a road to show. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, I I think the thing that's really missing from strong right now is uh, more promos, more angles with this being a, you know, quote unquote, road to fighting spirit unleashed. We're going to talk to some of the big matches they are building up in here in a second, but I feel like there should have been more promos. We did did get a Jay White promo at the beginning, but I did feel like there should have been more promos building to those matches. There should have been some kind of angle maybe some kind of confrontation, something, or some kind of multi-man match featuring the guys that are being built for these big matches on Fighting Spirit Unleashed to add some juice to here.
1: I 100% agree. I'm just wondering, like, what's the narrative here? You know, what is the narrative, you know? Um, I'm not saying they got to go full Lucha Underground and, you know, do backstage, you know, Cinematic stories, but give us a story, man. Tell us something like we got some stories during that uh, Lions Brick Collision show, and we really enjoyed that. We're not getting that here. Uh, These matches are just happening. And it's like if you want to make your own story about the Chase Owens. You know, run that he's on here in strong fine, but uh, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm not going to cap for this shit. It's not that good.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit of a story here with Owens and PJ Black, but you would have had to have watched the uh, Strong Sessions uh, podcast that PJ Black did with Kevin Kelly. He talked about you know wanting to be a part of Bullet Club, never he couldn't be a part of Bullet Club, and how these guys are. How these guys? Hell
1: no! (laughs) Hell no! I'm not doing that. Tell me the story on the show. Right.
0: That's what I'm saying. You would have had to have listen to strong session. How many people listen to that interview to know that PJ black, he talked about potentially forming his own stable to face off against bullet club. If you didn't hear that interview, like this was just a regular exhibition match,
1: bro. Some episodes of dark are better than this. Yeah. So, uh, coming up on new Japan strong September 4th, we've got flip Gordon against Jay white, as well as Brody King against Hickaleo and Mr. No days off. Fred Rosser, Otherwise known as, what was his name before? Darren
0: Young. Oh, yeah, Darren Young. One uh, half of the primetime players with Titus O'Neil. Millions he of dollars, was also millions one of dollars. the original
1: uh, Nexus members, a member of the first uh, season of NXT. Uh, very famous for coming out as a gay man in the WWE, which they said that they are going to back that, but then they never used him ever again after that. So And they released uh, him. <laughs> and then they released him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Darren Young going to make WWE great again And they gave him Bob Backlund as a uh,
0: Oh my gosh I forgot about that (laughs) Yeah
1: that happened Um, I gotta be honest with you I don't know what Fred Rosser's doing In my New Japan But uh It's New Japan USA so we'll see But you know he's not a guy I want to see In New Japan like at all Like where's Russ Taylor Give me fucking Russ Taylor (laughs) Well, He's
0: he's, he's getting ready to be a part of the, uh, the Ring of Honor Pure tournament
1: yeah, I've, I, I've got some inside news about that whole situation, but I can't divulge it on there. Oh. But, uh, oh. S- September 11th, uh, Kenta versus Jeff Cobb uh, for the right to challenge for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship. We got some questions. Yep.
0: So from other side underscore B, when do you think John Moxley will defend
1: the U.S. title? When he can get to Japan and when he's not the AEW champion.
0: <laughs> I mean – those are the two big things because Tony Khan's not going to let his world champion lose on strong and probably not lose in the United States. So,
1: bro, the funny thing, um, and this sounds so mean, but like, I am a member of a lot of, I'm silently a member of a lot of like new Japan, um, Facebook groups. Like I just joined them all just to kind of see what people are doing. and, there's a lot. There's a wide variety of different spectrum of fans, you know, from your like most ardent hardcore like diehard like <laughs> pro old heads to like people who don't know anything. And like I, you wouldn't believe how many people I've seen post being like they need to have Kenta come on come on Dynamite and have John Moxley defend the belt in uh Daly's place. And like I've seen that a lot. Now I'm not on Twitter like you but I'm on my Facebook groups.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that is the first that I've seen that take.
1: Oh bro. It's all over. It's like in all these pro groups, like, and they're big, they're not like small groups. You know, we're talking 15, 20,000 member groups, like on uh, Facebook. And I see a bunch of people posting that. And uh, like a lot of people agreeing, like hundreds or thousands. And I'm like sitting there thinking like, Oh my God, don't you guys know that's not going to happen first off. And it can't happen, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just funny. Uh Anything else? I don't have anything else to say about that. Can I go to the next question? Yeah, go to the next question. Dom Homie 101 asks us, why isn't nobody talking about how shitty Kenta's ring gear is? He needs some new fucking gear. <laughs> I mean, is I, it, I, is I, it... that's always That's been his gear for a long time. I yeah, like
0: it. Yeah, I like it. It's, it's a traditional Kenta gear.
1: Uh, it's better than that yellow and brown joint that he used to rock, which fucking was terrible. It looked like piss and shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, if you want to complain anything about his look, I mean, his hair is still, his hair, still a hot mess.
1: Bro, I, I'm i a big fan of his look because he's got, like, what it looks like was when I was in workshop class and we used to be able to, like, spatter our, uh, you know, our joints. Like, whenever we, like, got done working on our projects, we would, like, splatter the joint or splatter the, uh, the paint on it. And I always use black and white because – 1994 Brett Hart was rocking those colors he was wearing the black and he had the the white splattered all over it and I think that's where Kenta got the inspiration from I'm just gonna believe that because that's what it looks like to me so I'm not gonna talk crap about his gear he's got Bret Hart 1994 you know paint splatter gear it's awesome
0: I I didn't put those connections together but <laughs> sure
1: <laughs> bro anytime I see anybody that has paint splattered on their gear like they stole it from Brett he did it first, nineteen
0: ninety four. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Kente is a, a big uh, Brit, Brit the Hitman Heart fan.
1: I I'm fully like convinced he is.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on here, we did have a press conference this uh, early this morning, August thirty first, talking about the upcoming New Japan Road tour. So one of the big highlights of this.
1: Oh oh, New Japan Road. Yes. Road,
0: yes, Road is back for the third time oh this year.
1: <laughs> New Japan Road. <laughs> it's not the road to the G1 Climax.
0: Nope. It's just what the fuck are they doing? Well, dude, why this tour? The same name. Literally the third or fourth time we've had a New Japan Road tour this year.
1: Bro, the funny thing is, like, um, WWE even has like Road to WrestleMania. Y'all can't do the Road to G1 Climax. Like, figure it out. Like, what's or, the next big? Sh-
0: just do a separate named tour that's not new japan road
1: what's the next big show g1 all right the road to the g1 boom easy they need to hire me for their marketing like someone's fucking up over there i don't know who it is (laughs) (laughs) road get the fuck out of here
0: so uh one of the big uh things announced for new japan road so we had show coming out he Vacated the I.W.G.P. Junior Tag Team Titles, saying that Yo, no. <laughs> saying that Yo is unlikely to come back before the end of the year due to his knee injury. Um, and Show said that they would be vacating the titles in a post-match interview at Summer Struggle in Jingu. So they made it official. The titles have been vacated, and as a result, there's going to be a four-team round-robin tournament that will start on September 3rd. The two teams who score the most points will face off in the finals of the tournament on September 11th. Tell the so, team to this tournament, young so, boy.
1: Before I do that, I just want to point out, we don't have enough time for, for us to get a best of super juniors in of any like at all in any kind of style, like format. But we got enough to do a junior tag team title tournament.
0: A a mini Super Junior Tag League.
1: Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) So, uh, the following teams that will be competing, and boy, are they great. You got (laughs) Ryazuki Taguchi and Master Wato. The second team, Hiromu Takahashi and Bushi. The third team, El Desperado and Yoshinabu Kenamaru. And then your final team, Taiji Ishimori and Ghetto.
0: Wow, what a uh, strong field there.
1: Yeah, I did the math here. Luckily, it's only going to be like six matches, I think. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think that's the whole... It's a single block tournament, and whoever ends up with the most points at the end wins. But, you know, Gato seems to like to do ties at the ends of these tournaments and then turn the tournament into like a tiebreaker on a bigger show. So,
0: Well, the whole deal is... So, it's not whoever has the most. It's the two teams that have the most will face off in the finals.
1: Oh, so there is going to be a finals regardless. Yeah. Okay, my bad. So then, oh, that's even better. So that means we get to see those two teams fight each other once and then fight each other again at the end regardless. Yeah. Oh, so good. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to watch Taguchi and Wato fight Ishimura and Ghetto twice. <laughs> it's going to be so good. What a treat.
0: Uh, we had a question here from Red Easy Viking Pain. It says, Rapunki 3K are going to vacate the junior tag titles soon. Now, I'd rather see the junior tag Titles shipped off to America to be defended on strong, but let's say they keep them in Japan. Who becomes the next junior tag champions? Wato Deguchi, Despi Kanemaru, Homobushi, or Gato Ishimori?
1: I don't know. People are not going to like my answer, but I mean, things seem to be better in, in the world when Despi and Kanemaru were the t- champions. Maybe just go back to them. I don't know.
0: Well, you know, on the NJPW Collection card game app They just recently oh updated. First of all, I I never mentioned this theory cuz I know people would say it's ridiculous. But <laughs> when when Evil won the t- so when Naito won the title, they quickly changed the title screen to feature Naito having the double titles. Evil won the title, and they left that title screen exactly the way it was with Naito with the double titles. And now that Daito's won them back They've changed it to a Suzuki-gun title screen Featuring Suzuki, Saber, Taichi, Desperado, and Kanamaru. So with you know Suzuki-gun getting this highlight on, on the app um, I'm thinking you're right That Desperado and Kanamaru could begin these titles And then you well, would have yeah, Suzuki-gun with a bunch of belts
1: That's not crazy I mean, if you think about it you got Suzuki winning the Never title you got uh, Dangerous Techers winning the uh, main tag titles uh, I mean, Desperado and Kenma the actually are the only actual tag team here. I, you could argue Takahashi and Bushi, but I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to see Takahashi saddled with the junior titles. Yeah, he, he's above that right now. I think he's going to the G1, so I don't know. Um, so that's my hope. But like, there is that whole thing where it's like I've seen the the best match I think you can probably lay out here, historically speaking. Is Hiromu and Bushi against Despi and Kanemaru, but it's a match we've seen many, many, many times in the past. So I'm not really, there is no matchup here I'm really looking forward to. Maybe you could do something cool with Taguchi and Wato. Maybe maybe a tag team. Like, that was my theory, if you recall last week, was that we ended up with a tag team feud between Taguchi and Wato and Desperado and Kanemaru. And it didn't turn out the way that I booked it, which was kind of like, In the dark, booking anyways, but I kind of won't be surprised if those end up being your two teams at the end. You you
0: definitely could, especially you you probably don't want to get Hiromu tied up in the finals and he's getting ready for G1. But if they want to put on a final so that is the best possible, you know, quality matchup, star rating wise, then LiJ Suzukiin would be the way to go.
1: Yeah, and if you want to like salvage Wato. Now might be the time to, to like redeem him by giving him some uh, tag title win or some tag wins in this tournament and then have him win the belt. Right. And then in, and then he's not such a failure, even though he just got beat clean. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question from Dom Homie 101. He said, why don't why doesn't New Japan work with other companies or being in freelancer or bring in freelancers when it comes to the junior division? This junior tag team lineup is kind of lacking in a way.
0: Well, honestly, I, 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 and maybe you can, if I'm wrong here, tell me. Let me know. But I feel like one of the major reasons I, I feel like other promotions don't want to work with New Japan because that is potential for their stars to be st- stolen, pretty
1: much. I don't really think that's the case. Um, I think, from what I understand, the prevailing, what I've heard, anyways, is just that ever since the um the deal with noah kind of blew up back in the day like new japan has gone an ex like completely exclusionary route mm-hmm. and they just don't work with any other company they don't bring outside guys in they don't send their guys out when they do it's very sparingly at least in japan i mean um very, it's it's usually only guys of a certain sort of clout or experience level that are allowed to go out and do things with other companies, and it's very rare nowadays. You know, uh, maybe some freelancer guys, but that's about it. Um, would it help New Japan's product to bring in some outside guys? Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. we kind of see the excitement um, of what AEW has been able to do, bring in some indie guys, but things are very precarious at the same time. I don't think New Japan wants to give any sort of shine to people that are like below them or, or anything like that, or maybe even create competition for themselves. I think they're just trying to focus on what they do. And I think the safest bet is like, we have proven stars that have been built that our fans are accustomed to. And, you know, people who watch new Japan don't know who like Naroki doi is or, you know, whoever you want, Mochizuki or something like that. They just don't, you know? Right.
0: yeah, I think it's it's definitely on both sides. Probably more stronger on the New Japan side, but I'm just thinking back to when they were working with DDT and Dragon Gate and Ricochet and Kota Ibushi were coming over and then all of a sudden they just became New Japan guys.
1: (laughs) That's true. I mean, um, I guess there is that thought. I I hadn't really thought of that. It's definitely a possibility. I mean, they took Kota Ibushi and people like that. So, um, But at the same time, it is a boost to your brand if you have your stars working for the biggest company in the world. Right. It helps, but uh, New Japan hasn't really given that rub to outside companies in a long time. Yeah.
0: So uh, also in this uh, press conference, we got the, the main event for se- September 11th show. It's going to be headlined by the Never Six Man Tag Title Match with the new champions of Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii. And Yoshihashi defending against Okada, Yano, and Show.
1: So a rematch of the uh, tournament finals in the past. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> um, Yoshi, like, <laughs> uh, actually, you know, I'm sorry. For some reason, I was thinking Yano is one of the champions, and I was like, oh, Okada's coming back to get that win. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, that wouldn't be accurate. I don't know, man. I mean, I would be surprised to see Okada hold the six man's, but maybe. I mean, it's Okada. Like, there's no reason that he that they might not just like get those belts off those guys.
0: Yeah, and it's six man titles. Those things are literally hot potatoed back and
1: forth all time. <sighs> it is an interesting thing. I mean, the first match was really good. I think it'll be hard for them to live up to. The same thing just without that same moment and meaning kind of behind the match and build but who knows maybe I liked the first match a lot so maybe this will be good too
0: yeah so uh, rundown we have uh, two shows coming up we have September 5th and 6th rundown the card that is coming up on the 5th for us
1: so very briefly we got Kojima against Suji opening after that we've got Yumura Yoshihashi Tomohiro Ishii and Goto taking on the team of Gabriel Kidd, show Yano and Okada third match of the night Hanma, Nagata, and Abushi and Tanahashi taking on Doki, ZSJ, Taichi, and Minoru Suzuki. Fourth match of the night, we've got Sonata, Shingo, and Naito taking on Jado, Yujiro, and Evil God. <laughs> Fifth match of the night, we have um, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Tournament. We got Wato and Taguchi against Kenemaro and Desperado. And then the main event is Bushi and Hiromu against Gato and Ishimori for the same tournament.
0: Then we move on to September 6th. We got Yuji Nagata taking on Yuji Yamura. We got Gabriel Kidd, Yoshihashi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto taking on Tsuji Sho, Toriano, and Kazuchika Okada. We got Hanma, Kojima, Koto Ibushi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Doki, Saber, Taichi, and Minoru Suzuki. We have uh, Sanada, Shingo, and Naito versus Jado, Yujiro, and Evil. Then the semi main event, we have a tournament match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team. Titles as Suzuki Unkana Mario and Desperado will take on Bullet Club's Gato and Taiji Ishimori, and then the main event will be the other tournament match for the night as Lij's Bushi and Hiroshi Takahashi takes on Master Wato and Riske Taguchi Yep. So those are the two coming up shows. Any any thoughts there?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, the only interesting thing is we're seeing um, quite a few rematches and re- rehashes of matches that we just saw uh, pretty recently here.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of rematches, a lot of kind of continued feuds and kind of similar matches on both nights, obviously, with the uh, the tournament matches kind of being the, the main kind of difference here. And, uh, you know, interesting observation, LIJ, they're in the main events of both of these nights. So I don't know if that's any ind- indication that they're going to be, you know, going to the finals.
1: Um, I mean, possibly. I mean, they are. They've got Hiromu and Bushi, which are two of the most popular stars in the company. So that might be the case. They also could very easily set up a some sort of return angle between. Um, I mean, Ishimori's got to. Fi- they got to figure out a challenger for Ishimori. So maybe um, they could set up like a rematch with Hiromu or maybe even Bushi as the next challenger potentially. They could that that's one thing I think they might might see a little bit of here, especially if is going into the G one, let's say, then maybe this is just a standby. So maybe they heat up Bushi. Maybe Bushi starts picking up wins, Bushi starts getting hot, and then, you know, maybe he picks up a pinfall win over, say Ishimori. Right. And man. that sets up a title match between those two. Yeah, they can do that. I'm just kind of spitballing here. And then I think that those two teams maybe cancel each other out somehow. We wind up with the final. I'm, I'm still going with the chaos against uh, Suzuki-Gun final personally.
0: You mean uh, Wato and Taguchi?
1: Oh, yeah. That's what I meant when I said chaos. I meant Hontai. Uh, Sorry about that.
0: No worries. So, yeah. So, that's what we got coming up. Uh, also, in that press conference, we had some comments from uh, Tetsuya Naito and talking about wanting to do – More stadium shows, and this quote here comes from Naito. He says, so my proposal is to have more events in the open air. Maybe you might worry about the weather, but I want it to happen. Maybe Jingu Stadium every year or change it up and run in a different open air venue every year. There are a lot of stadiums used by pro baseball teams or even other grounds up in Hokkaido or Okinawa even. There are a lot of possibilities. I want this to happen. Maybe in the future I can have a big LIJ roll call in Hiroshima's Matsuda Stadium. Whatever, that's just something I want. Maybe it's 80% me going into business for myself, but I want (laughs) everyone to give it a thought.
1: Yeah, this is not um, unusual or out of character for Naito. Naito's mentioned in the past uh, running dome shows throughout the year once again. And, um, you know, he kind of talked about, like, why is New Japan trying to go overseas? to run shows when we haven't even strengthened what we have here. You know, we used to run all these different domes here and we only do one, one a year at the Tokyo dome when, you know, the Osaka dome ex- exists and the Cebu dome and all this other stuff. And he's like, you know, we need to be running big shows here domestically. So I'm not surprised that he wants to do open air shows. And I, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, there are ways you can do open air shows, even with inclement weather. Uh, you know, I think about, WrestleMania in New York a couple, you know, Two years ago um, You know You can build an enclosure on top of the ring To protect the performers in the ring And you know uh, that sort of thing So I mean yeah why not I would be all for this
0: So we had a question here from Rambo and Slam Pigs Maybe I'm just starved for wrestling in front of a crowd But I felt the crowd in Jingu and the whole setup Really added something And I told, talked about coming back when the place can actually be full Do you see this as a realistic goal In the next few years
1: I do. I think that, um, especially since this company is hypothetically still hot, I hope it is. Well, you know, we don't know, but I think, um, they probably are running a outdoor, running a big show in general is always a way to like create a sense of excitement and exclusivity. So people want to attend your show. And then when it's in a unique setting, like outdoors, that's that's a recipe for something that we can draw you know because it's it's an event and if you have a big show with the right guys the right angles i don't see why it couldn't draw i mean i don't know what kind of numbers we're talking here so i don't want to throw any unrealistic figures out but yeah i think it's realistic
0: yeah i, I think it's realistic and they should definitely do it it's a great kind of change of pace and it'd be just a great venue to try and you know put a lot of button seats and make some money and get a great visual and a great show
1: one thing I do want to uh commend them on is like um they did a really good job with the presentation. The the uh visuals, the audio looked good. I mean, there's a lot that can go wrong doing an outdoor uh show and it's not something that they're really uh adept at doing and they they were fantastic. The one thing that was bad was Chris Charlton's audio.
0: Right, which <laughs> uh, it, it, and it wasn't that it wasn't that long. It 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 was fixed like pretty early on.
1: The one thing I will say uh, I thought Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly were fantastic on the call and it was so awesome to be able to listen to live English uh, commentary once again, which gives me a lot of hope for the future, especially the G1, which they mentioned. But um, Chris, bro, <laughs> you work for the second largest wrestling company in the world. You got to get a mic, a real mic. This man was calling – Jing- the summer struggle in Jingu Stadium on some earbuds, like literally the earbuds that you get out the box when you buy your iPhone, like either that or the- like either he can afford to get them and he needs to go get a mic or Harold, bro, you guys got to pay this man more money. Like if he can't afford to do it and he's doing such an excellent job calling this shit, y'all need to pay that man like something, bro, because, yeah, you can't be calling it on that shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I still thought his uh, audio quality, once it got fixed in the beginning, ended up being good. And, yeah, him and Kevin did a great job. And, yeah, I was glad we uh, had English commentary. I felt kind of a bummer, though, for for Chris because, you know, he's there in Japan and he couldn't be there at the show. Um, He had to be wherever he was in a a different building. Um, I guess I couldn't, you know, do it that way with him there at Jingu. Um, But, yeah, overall, yeah, good stuff. And, you know, shout out to, you know, uh, Kevin Kelly getting up at 4 to – you know, do that call and being, you know, vibrant and excellent. Like he always is
1: dumb. Homie One Hundred One says thoughts on the possibility of new Japan running more uh, summer shows at outdoor arenas in the future, which could possibly lead uh, to a no rope death explosion match. Um, I think we kind of answered that already. I think we're both in favor of it. Um, I don't know if we're going to get no rope death matches, uh, explosion matches, but we'll, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. One, one other thing, uh, you didn't mention here. Um, when I listened to the transcription that Naito brought up, he mentioned specifically the double title situation once again, and he uh, kind of posed the question, and he's like, are these titles unified or not? <laughs> yes, right. Cause,
0: yeah, that's right, because, yeah, because, you know, Naito's whole thing is he wants to defend—he wanted to defend each title separately, even if that meant him having two matches on one tour, and so he's like, yeah, the IWGP needs to make a decision. Like, is it a double crown, or are they two separate titles? If they're two separate titles, I want to defend them as two different two separate titles,
1: and yeah, and he was like, he's like, uh, Chairman Sugabayashi, I'm asking you directly, if you want these two belts to be one title going forward, I'm fine with that. But get me one belt that I can carry around to signify that I'm the champion. Otherwise, let me defend these belts separately on separate nights against separate challengers. He's like, I know that's a lot of demand on my body, but I'm up to the test. That's the position I put myself into. But let's stop confusing everybody by having one match for two belts. It's He's like, it's one or the other, man. Just do it. Like So I kind of like that. So we'll see what happens with that.
0: Yeah. And so that wraps up all the news from the press conference. There's a few other minor news items here. So like I mentioned earlier, there was a, a strong session interview With uh, PJ Black and uh, Kevin Kelly, you can check that out on their YouTube or their podcast feed. Uh, The NJPW Shop Global has some new stuff coming to it. Some new premium store goods are going to be available on that token shop global. With a new range of premium items that will be available for purchase for fans all over the world. So check that out on the token shop global.
1: Man, it's crazy. We've got so many New Japan fans that are listening to the show. And we're plugging... The Token Shop Global, it almost seems like maybe they should reach out to us and let us uh, shill their shit for them. I don't know.
0: <laughs> and then uh, we had... It's weird.
1: It uh, <laughs> just seems like a good idea. I don't know.
0: Then uh, last thing, uh, Jeff Cobb was a guest on the, the Finish Strong post-show that's uh, been airing um, after NJPW Strong. And so, Let's uh,
1: get into these last few questions before we go.
0: Yeah, kick it off.
1: Viking Pain says a bunch of Joshi promotions in Japan, including Stardom, are coming together to make a super show called Assemble. Any chances the men do the same? I noticed Suzuki will be on a BJW show soon, but that might just be his freelancer status. Uh, Jeremy?
0: Yeah, because it kind of leans to what we were talking about earlier. I, I don't feel like. Well, I guess. I don't, well, New Japan won't be a part of it. Uh, maybe you could have. Well, then get, get the whole cyber agent thing. <sighs> With um, them they purchased Noah and DDT, right? The two companies they purchased.
1: um, Yeah. I mean, you know, they 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 sent people to work the Baba uh, Memorial last year, and then they sent people to work the uh, Destroyer Memorial. Um, I think they could do a show like one of those together, all together shows like what was proposed and what was talked about by say, uh, Okada and all that. And I mean, we saw the conglomerate of, you know, representatives and wrestlers, you know, when earlier, when COVID was together, where they all tried to appeal to, um, parliament to try and like get some support and some, uh, reprieve. Maybe that could lead to something, but if I was betting, I would tell you it's probably unlikely. And yes, Suzuki working BJW is absolutely due to the fact that he is a freelancer
0: yeah, so yeah, we'll see if if anything comes in the future. Of
1: also, I think those un- Assemble shows are not just one super show. I think it's going to be – base. maybe I, maybe you know more about this than I do, Jeremy, but it to me like they're going to be a super show promotion. So I'm
0: not 100% sure. We, this, this is where we need the Joshi experts. We need to bring in Dr. Joshi, James Boyd. We need to bring in Zach, <laughs> Zach Porter. And get those guys to uh, lay a law down here for us.
1: Yeah. Um, next question from Just Little Bear one He said, aside from scouring dirt sheets, is there a way to know if a talent is under control versus freelancer? Under contract. Is that what I said? I you said control. Bro, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, been a long weekend and a long couple days here. You guys have no idea. Sorry about that. Um, my answer to this is it is hard to know. And yes, dirt sheets do help. You know, one thing that's actually pretty useful, um, believe it or not, is Wikipedia. If you go to the roster section of Wikipedia, it's not completely up to date, but they do usually have the status as to whether someone is a known freelancer or not. It doesn't mean that people who are not listed as freelancers are not, you know, are. It doesn't mean that they're for sure signed to the company. But it's more, you know, it'll tell you who the freelancers are so you can kind of know who's not signed to the company. But this sort of stuff is kind of hush-hush and sort of secretive over there, honestly. Yeah. Uh,
0: overall, for all promotions, a great resource, uh, Fightful.com, Sean Ross Sap He has a page on, the, on his site mm. that he keeps track of anytime somebody's contract's renews and they, they sign. And he does have some New Japan guys on there because some news has broken recently of, you know, People sign, especially since people have been signing multi year contracts, a lot of that's been coming out lately. So, um, Fightful has a lot of uh, updates. It's mainly obviously like the WWE and AEW because that's more readily available. There's more sources there, but some of the new Japan dates are on there. But yeah, it's definitely looking under sheets listening to Observer Radio. Dave usually has some kind of indications on some of that stuff. And so,
1: yeah. Does he have it listed in uh, order of length? Of, like, how much time they have left on their contract.
0: So it's, like, so he'll have a promotion, and it'll be, like, X wrestlers contract is up December 2024.
1: He needs to have it, like, in order of length, so we can kind of see the countdown, you know, starting with whoever's got the least amount of time left versus the most. That way, when you get to the bottom, you wind up with Kota Bushi, and it's just an indefinite <laughs> clock because he has a lifetime <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime contract like he's literally signed until the day he passes
0: yeah it's crazy and we know he he's going to live to be 150. <laughs> i heard that and then and uh pj black on on his interviews planned to live until 125 so maybe you know we could have the first like 100 year old match of uh pj black versus Kota Ibushi
1: Bro, PJ Black be jumping, like, he does base jumping and stuff. Like, uh, that's that's a very high risk behavior. It's not, <laughs> people, people, people that live to 125 don't jump off of cliffs and stuff like that. I'm just saying. Uh, Dom Homie 101 asked uh, Thoughts on what Wrestle Kingdom 15 will look like? Will there still be a limited amount of fan situation? Uh, what will the card look like? Will it even take place inside of the Tokyo Dome? If it doesn't take place inside the Tokyo Dome, where does the event take place?
0: That is a lot of great questions, uh, Dom Homie 101. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. It's kind of up in the area. I have no idea what Wrestle Kingdom 15 is going to look like. Um, It really all depends on what the the COVID situation is looking at at the time. Um, If it's still pretty bad, then it, it could be a limited capacity sort of thing. In the Tokyo Dome, Um, I have a hard time seeing them not doing it in the Tokyo Dome. I feel like it still will be there, but it'll probably be limited capacity. They'll have to wear masks. They'll have to use the the app gimmick and not be able to cheer. Um, Yeah, I I think with that tradition, they'll want to keep it in the Dome.
1: Josh number two asked, if you were to take the current new Japan roster and use a video game style rating, what overall would you assign the wrestlers? For instance, Yano is clearly a ninety nine overall, but what do you give everyone else? So uh, I feel like that's a whole podcast we could do outside of this one, literally. Right, but I, I think v- that, very similar to what we've done before.
0: Right, I was gonna say if anybody wants like to hear kind of an answer to that already, you can go back into the archives during during the uh, the early COVID era where we did the Bret Hart wrestler score on the entire uh, New Japan roster, which we measured look, mic, work, and star power, a scale of 40, 10 points for each uh, category there. We went through the whole roster.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll think of doing something like that. I know uh, One Nation Radio does something like that every year with, um, you know... Well, they used to until 2K20 came out was so trash, but they used to give the power rankings to the wrestlers, um, they, they, they would try to correct what, uh, who does those games? EA, THQ, 2K, 2K. Oh yeah. What 2K does. Um, I'm sure they'll probably do something like that similar when, um, the AEW game comes out, uh, you know, down the line. So that might be fun. The only thing is there's not actually a game for us. So it almost depresses me (laughs) to realize, (laughs) you know, it, we're, we're doing these ratings, but there's not going to be a game to rate it against. So I don't know.
0: Then, uh, last question here from the Maple he- Maple Leaf Wrestling History Podcast: Do you guys think AEW could ever potentially sell out any major venues in Japan, or would they require a Japanese Fed to do so?
1: They could. I mean, there's no reason why they couldn't um, necessarily, but they might not. That's kind of. I mean, it's just one of those hypotheticals. Like, could they? You're like, yeah, certainly. I mean, they got Kenny Omega, they got working relationships with uh, Japanese you know, companies like DDT, and potentially along with that maybe even uh, – who's the other group with them? Noah? Uh,
0: with – that AEW's worked with? No, that's with uh, DDT. Yeah, Noah with Cyber Agent, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean if there's – I, I mean I'm not saying I know anything, but like if there's a Cyber Agent tie-in and then they've got like the Bucks, Kenny – Cody, you know, uh, people like that, Ashima, I don't know.
0: Michael I Nakazawa. Mean, not- Michael
1: Nakazawa. <laughs> Michael <laughs> Nakazawa. Um, I don't know what the fandom for AEW looks like, but I mean, it also depends on what you mean when you say major venue, you know. I, I don't know what their distribution in Japan looks like. I don't know what their visibility is like. But, you know, if I was betting over the life, I think AEW is going to be around for a while. And I don't know if they're going to Japan anytime soon, but if I had to guess, would they ever sell out a major arena in Japan? I would probably say yes. Yeah, down down the line for sure. Now, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, and they probably think that's far-fetched. and We don't know what we're talking about, but I'm like, WWE sells out major arenas and has historically for a long time in Japan. And... I know not all of wrestling fans over there are going to like AEW, but I guarantee you if they have visibility there, there are wrestling fans that like them. And if they partner with the right company, bring in the right people and do the right matches, sure, why not?
0: Yep. That wraps it up for the question. The last thing I have here is a recommended match of the week. So last week, I recommended Tomohiro Ishii versus Roddy Strong from Honor Horizon 2016 Night 1 for the TV title. What do you think of this matchup?
1: I was underwhelmed. Mm. I I thought – well, I, I've seen the Ishii-Roddy Strong match from ROH, and I got to tell you, I think it's a lot better than this match. That doesn't mean that this match isn't good, but, I mean, you've got Roderick Strong and Tomohiro Ishii, too, <laughs> like – best workers of of a generation going head-to-head. So I kind of expected more. But the match is still really good. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I would still recommend that you see it. I would say it's a a very good match, but not great. Um, I don't know. I probably went like three and three quarters on it, maybe. Um, But it was still a really, really fun and entertaining match. You had the Corkin crowd kind of going crazy for everything towards the end. They did start busting out some really crazy spots, especially some stuff on the outside that they did. Um, But this was sort of like a mixture of Ishii's, you know, never strong style mixed with Roddy's, you know, indie strong style. So <laughs> um, I would love to see these two guys go at it again sometime in the future because they have a better match in them. And I the match they had in ROH is, is vastly better than this and it's it's fantastic. And this one's very good also. So um, but Ishii picked up his um, first Roh title. So it's it's kind of a historically important match and uh yeah I thought it was good.
0: Nice. So what is the recommended match for this week?
1: I have a uh, true banger for you. Like a, like this is, and this one's one that you don't hear a lot of talk about, but I'm telling you, you're going to fucking love this match. So, uh, in 1994, new Japan decided to run the first ever first and only super grade junior heavyweight tag league. So this was a precursor to the junior tag league that we see nowadays. They, they didn't follow up on it for years again afterwards. So it was kind of a standalone tournament. um, the tournament itself, just to kind of give you a quick rundown, had teams like Super Dolphin and Takamichinoku, Sho Shofunaki and uh, Yuki Ishikawa, Nario Hanaga and Grand Hamada, Masayoshi Motegi and Kamazaki, Flying Scorpio, which is Too Cold Scorpio, and El Samurai, Dean Maliko and Tomokatsu Ishi- uh, Ishizawa, Black Tiger and Great Sasuke, and Shinjiro Otani and Wild Pegasus. And on the final night of this tournament, and this is available on New Japan World for everybody that wants to watch it, and I'm highly recommending that you do, um, the finals uh, of this match on October 18th, 1994, it is Black Tiger and Great Sasuke taking on Shinjiro Otani and Wild Pegasus.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, sounds this great. Match
1: truly fucking rocks it's like one of the best uh junior tag matches in new japan history uh when it happened dave gave it four and three quarters i think i would go slightly less and still i watched it again just to kind of uh see how great it was uh to this point it's got 8.61 on cage match i would go four and a half on the shit um but it's really groundbreaking match just really 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 awesome
0: Nice well that is our recommended match Of the week so go ahead and check that Out and we'll review that next week and That's going to wrap things up for here This week Uh, next week We'll be back to uh, talk about the First two shows of New Japan Road And talk about Fighting Spirit Unleashed on NJPW Strong so if you enjoyed Today's show please consider making a donation By visiting socialsuplex.com Donate Click on the donate button under the Keeping it strong style logo make sure to connect with us on social media on twitter the show is at ki strong style you can follow me at jeremy l donovan also follow us at social suplex on facebook we are facebook.com slash social suplex on instagram we are at social suplex on reddit i'm pro black guy just keeping a strong style you can email me jeremy at social suplex.com you out all the other shows on the social suplex podcast network on sundays we have one issue radio hosted by Rich Ladder and James Boyd. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clyde Russell show from Scotland. On Thursdays, we have a new show debuting called the Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb Ballin and uh, Greg Maserati. They're going to be going over uh, Lucha Underground. So check that out on Thursdays. And on Fridays, we have the 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. And then Saturdays, we have All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It
1: Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Everything is not evil. Tranquilo. (laughs) Asanayo. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.